A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, but also right here on Earth, searching for artifacts, this is Force Center, presents Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast, an other center broadcast right here, first on Patreon, and then for the public later on. That is a rambling, long intro to just say, I'm Kevin. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I think all the things that you said are important. It is other center. It is Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. It will be on Patreon, but then... To the public, uh, 
I also really like that because we started this Perilous podcast journey by doing an overall episode. The episode number of our podcast is one off from the actual film. So this is episode three, where we're talking about the second film, which actually comes before the first film. So (laughs) the chronological confusion continues. Uh, You know, a Lucas trait in a lot of ways. (laughs) Just uh, release them how I want. That's all we got to do. Yeah. Um, no, well said, well said, well said. Well, yeah, we are going to be looking at Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, released in 1984. Uh, a lot of great stuff in it. Uh, conversations uh, uh, f- uh, spill out of this movie in a lot of different directions, Joseph. But it's gonna be yeah, awesome. yeah, exactly. Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, like you said, released in May of 1984. It's just under two hours runtime. Uh, story by George Lucas, a screenplay by Willard Hike and Gloria Katz. Uh, directed by that guy, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Willard Hike and Gloria Katz, fairly significant <laughs> in that they mm-hmm. uh, were, I think, Lucas's go-to writers when he had an idea and just didn't want to sit down uh, and write. Before he had his <laughs> uh, desk that was a door that we all know from The Phantom Menace <laughs> behind mm-hmm. the scenes, uh, mm-hmm. they wrote American Graffiti uh, sort of with and for Lucas. Um infamously and allegedly uh, did some work on the original Star Wars film, obviously Temple of Doom, uh, Radioland Murders, Howard the Duck. (laughs) So uh, just responding to that, uh, starting from the get-go of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, written by Lawrence Kasdan, and then these writers who are so Lucas-associated, do you have just any sort of reaction to that and how that uh, creates differences or tensions between Raiders and Temple of Doom? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to even start with the you know some of the behind the scenes stuff on on Kasdan being like, I wanted nothing to do with that one. <laughs> it was dark. Yeah, and I wrote down that quote. Uh, it's uh, from a 1990 bu- nine, 1999 book on Lucas's life uh, where he says, "I didn't want to be associated with Temple of Doom. <laughs> I just thought it was horrible. It's so mean. There's nothing pleasant about it. I think Temple of Doom represents a chaotic period in both their Lucas and Spielberg's lives, and the movie is very ugly and mean spirited. So." Uh, wanted to get that out. I uh, have some uh, mm-hmm. uh, understanding and some some disagreement with uh, with Mr. Kasdan on that one. We'll get to our <laughs> overall reactions, but uh, yeah, just wanted to throw that quote out there. Uh, but but yeah. for you, does it register? We're such Lawrence Kasdan fans. He is the the master mm-hmm. of uh, this kind of pulpy but relatable dialogue. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Um, never tell me the odds. All of it. Uh, are you affected by the change in writers? I, I actually think I am. Uh, and and I've always said, and we talked in the overall episode, I think Temple's the one I've, I've watched the least, interact with the, the least, connected with the least. But it's been fun to look at it through this lens and, and have a newfound uh, understanding for the film over the last couple of days. Just kind of, uh, you know, I know a lot of friends, I know a lot of people and I think you're going to, you might be in that category, sir, of, of just people who, uh, no, there, there's a lot here. And, and I just, I did not grow up with it. Um, uh, in my regular rotation. And I, I think subtly there could be some of that vibe there where I think I, I, I tend to go more towards what Kasdan set up. And this has a little bit different vibe, uh, obviously, but also intentionally. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And, you know, it's interesting. They, they seem to know George so well, which means they can maybe weather some of his storms in a different way. Raiders, Kasdan was so young, right? I think first, one of his first mm-hmm. ones out of the gate. Um, so different vibe. Um, though he seemed to really, you know, put a lot of his stamp on it anyway. So yeah, I, I, overall I, I do feel the difference. 
Um, doesn't mean I don't like it because I, I just watched American Graffiti again and they're behind that. I love that. And um, um, Howard the Duck and Raiderland murders maybe um, weren't the successes that people wanted them to be, but um, it's fun. It's a fun. They're both fun vibes. Yeah, I can't. I, I have never seen either of those films, and I really, really look forward uh, to watching them. Uh, and uh, talk about other center. We could sometime, sometime just do Lucasfilm Center. That is everything, mm. everything, or everything yeah. that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, since you know we. Yeah, We've covered Star Wars. Wars. Talking yeah. Indiana Jones now. So uh, we will get into uh, the heart uh, of Temple of Doom. I heard that coming out of my mouth and then realized this film is infamous for removing hearts. <laughs> we will get to the yeah. still yeah. beating heart of Temple of Doom in a moment. But we always like to talk about how we actually absorbed it. I think sometimes that does a a affect the way that you process a film. So how did you go about watching Temple of Doom this time? How is it different? Did you do anything to prep for this discussion? I, yeah, I, um, did more research. I was excited to watch this with this kind of four center, other center lens that often has changed my, you know, understanding and my, um, connections to other things. The Clone Wars, a series I've always loved, but I hadn't gone back and looked at it before. It has changed some of my thoughts on episodes that I used to think I, I hated. Mieber Gascon, all stuff. And now I see it from a different lens. So I was really excited to do that. But, I, I said in the overall episode, so go back and listen to it. I won't repeat the story. I was there, man. I was in the theater in May of 84, mm. and I was terrified, and this scared me, and my dad was uh, felt bad for bringing me, and my mom was upset. <laughs> and you know, I think I think my mom's the reason PG-13 launched. So that whole story's been told before. Check out that episode. So because of that, again, I, I you know, I, I spent most of my youth seven to 11 type range scared of this movie. So it's one of the reasons I didn't engage with it as much. And because of that, this has become a, this movie's a distant haze to mm. me at times. Um, even though I, I watched it last year, Grace and I watched it last year. Um, over the years, there's been a lot of like, what happened in that? What, you know, what, what leads to what? And I, you know, it's a fast movie. Mm -hmm. You said about two hours, right? Uh, just under two hours, but it, it moves fast. And I, there's even notes of George saying, I think we've gone too fast, which seems to be a George trait that he always says of his own films. But I, it, you know, it, I, I always thought they spent more time in the cave. So, you know what I mean? It's a distant haze. So I really sat down with some Wikipedias and some Indiepedias <laughs> and I just, I wanted to take in as much as the behind the scenes story as I could before sitting. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so you really had in the, the spectrum of Indiana Jones from, uh, uh glasses <laughs> and a notebook Ooh. to a swagger and a whip. You were on the glasses and notebook side of viewing. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Which is interesting because I think there's a little less indie with glasses in this one. I think this, the soul of glasses indie is quite present in, yes. in this film at times, yeah. but yeah, not, not literally, not literally no professor time uh, physically. Um, yeah. I yeah. think for me, by the time I, watched these again uh, i think you're right to say check out that uh, earlier episode our first episode our, our mm -hmm. overview i watched uh, all the films on vhs in late 80s uh, early 90s maybe mm -hmm. um i think i had already had the sort of uh, nerd culture download temple of doom is a prequel and that mm -hmm. was a bad idea and it's bad <laughs> uh and right, I think right, maybe my right. first viewing, there was a a little bit of the uh, Marion as, to me at the time, a, a Princess Leia-like figure. I think there are some connections and there's some differences, mm -hmm. so I don't want to reduce Marion to she is Leia. 
Um, but that mm-hmm. sort of um, that vibe. And I think I was distracted by Willie Scott. We'll have a lot more uh, talking mm-hmm. about Willie Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I watched it again as an adult, um, I really gravitated uh, toward this film. Um, mm-hmm. And I think maybe it is like the uh, I've always been like, <laughs> OK, I'm going to resist this idea that I was told it was bad. I'm going to I'm going to look past it mm-hmm. and try to mm-hmm. try to see what I, I think for myself. So. Um, I always look forward to watching this one because I'm fascinated by this one. So I was so I've been so looking forward to watching this and I got a really great experience to sit down and, and watch this one. Um, I, I it was supposed to be uh, working, but I decided, hey, it's Saturday morning. It is technically work for we, me to watch this film that is based <laughs> on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon adventure serials. So, damn it, I'm going to watch it. Uh, and it was so fun so thrilling it it was just like the perfect mood the perfect uh literal temperature outside uh where like i wanted to be a little kid and be able to just uh jump on my bike and jump over ramps and (laughs) for other kids in the neighborhood to play with uh it was totally that vibe of viewing uh along with the being really excited to just watch it and, and enjoy the parts that i enjoy and also uh pause and, and write down the things that I think are, are, are really important. So it, it was a, a fast, thrilling adventure that did take me about four hours to watch because I did pause a lot. <laughs> pause to go ride your bike. Uh, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's what and take about. notes. <laughs> that's what the cool kids do. They, yeah. they ride with uh, no hands while making notes about film while riding their bikes. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Mm. And just to keep everybody updated on my action figure adventures, I, I did give up an order from the internet, mm. a Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. So uh, he watched with me uh, for this one. Uh, and I'll get that that open shirt uh, retro indie from Temple of Doom <laughs> with large bridge cutting knife eventually. That would be it. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I was at a I was at a store the other day, turned the aisle and there were more Indiana Jones toys there than I thought. And uh, I ended up getting something, not one of those figures, but yeah. It's, it's it's the time kids it's the time yep yep there's a target near me that has the uh the shirtless german mechanic the uh the lobot of the indiana jones retro line and i'm gonna get him uh, i am going to get him i just need to wait and reward myself for accomplishing something. that's great that's great i i, I yeah yeah I'll, I'll share what i got online at some point it's great Oh, nice. Nice. Looking forward to it. All right. Let's get into our, our overall reactions. Um, uh, guess warning. I, I have a lot of kind of big picture feelings that I definitely want to discuss ahead of time. So we're going to take a moment to really talk about overall feelings since this is a, a really different film. Uh, and then we will get into the, the heart of the big ideas and themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ken, with your rewatch for you, where does this film uh, rate personally? Is mm-hmm. it uh, if Raiders is sort of considered the best, is this the most challenging to you? Do you agree with that uh, opinion? In a way, yes. So, yeah, if we're doing just a straight up ranking, if we we're some generic YouTube channel, I'd say this is three out of four for me. Uh, you know, Raiders being the quote unquote best, Last Crusade, my favorite to watch. But, you know, I can't wait till we get to Crystal Skull because I really like Indiana Jones himself more in Crystal Skull at times. Uh, and I just mm. haven't watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as much. Like, I hardly watched it because, like you said, the pop culture download in my brain was, oh, no, no, we don't we don't watch that one. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this one becomes the hardest to to engage with. At least it has for the distance. 
that I've, I've, like I said, that distant haze I have towards this film. I, I just, I just don't know. So by almost by default, it ranks lower. Mm, mm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think for me, uh, I said this in our first episode is is well. Uh, I think it is uh, one of those films where I I fully acknowledge some of the flaws, mm-hmm. and I don't think it is the best made in any way. But in some ways, it's the most fascinating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the most thrilling. And there are parts of it that are like to me, like no, there's I don't have any caveats. That part is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That's great. I understand why other people might not like it, but these parts I love. And then the parts that are dark, weird, upsetting are like, yeah, I like things that are dark, weird, upsetting yeah. sometimes. So I get why this and Gremlins held hands and created the PG-13 rating <laughs> uh, back in the 80s. Yeah. I get that. I would never challenge anyone and say, this isn't a dark film. Uh right but I actually really like that. So I, in, in some ways, this is my, my favorite to watch in the same way. I don't think attack of the clones is the best made star Wars film by any means, mm. but in some ways it's my favorite. Yeah. Um, so I would say that I absolutely love temple of the doom, uh, two thumbs up with, with a giant asterisk about some of the uh, representation issues, which which we will get into. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. We, we will and we should and, and we are. But I, and I, I do think this was one of those for its time movies in terms of technical achievement where you're right, sitting in a theater made of 84, I, I couldn't believe what I just saw, right? And then you go back mm-hmm. and watch things now and, you know, oh, well, I can see there's the dolls in the rafts. The, the dummies I could the 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 cart chase sequence seems a little different but you're right it is thrilling and as we go into some of the details I think there's some moments in this film that are actually more could you could consider trademark Indiana Jones in the other films that that show up in other things including theme park rides and everything they come from this movie and oh. and that's something I can't overlook definitely I think the I think my my really big picture overall reaction is uh, I know I say the word pulpy a lot <laughs> uh, because I really enjoy that aspect of the shared history of uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. But I think that's why I'm, I gravitate toward Temple of Doom is to me it is the most pulpy in the best ways and the worst ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the pulp magazines where that that description, you know, initially comes from and and then – it, from the actual pulp magazines, it gets uh, transferred to some of the uh, uh, paperbacks of the 50s and 60s that are, you know, lascivious and dangerous. And then into some of the the uh, early uh, filmmaking of the time, it, all those things can be considered pulpy. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the the root of that, of what makes it pulpy is it's trying hard to sell itself by being thrilling this is more exciting like great you can you can read some great literature or whatever but don't you want to see adventures where yeah, yeah. people fight monsters and beasts and go to strange places and and don't you want the men to be just like a little dangerous and don't you want the <laughs> the 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 uh hint of forbidden sexuality mm-hmm. around every corner and, and and yes it can be exploitative but it is also a representation of Proper society doesn't want you to talk or think about sex except for in stay in these lanes. Mm-hmm. And Pulp offered an opportunity to be like, but let it out. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's real. It's a part of us. Um, mm-hmm. So Pulp, in, in, its, in its effort to, to grab a, attention, 
is interested in in the thrill of danger, yeah. playing with the darkness of these are things we're not supposed to talk about cults and mm. monsters and uh, and scary sexuality <laughs> <laughs> and even even subverted uh, tropes of who gets to be sexual, mm-hmm. uh, playing with the the dark and dangerous corners. I think Temple of Doom explores that in this great great way in that it is thrilling it is fun it does wrestle with what is good in the world and then what are the values that might oppose that Mm -hmm. um and and uh even that opening dance is is kind of pulpy in the best way of not only is it the the thing that that lucas loves to do which is to pull from all sorts of genres Mm -hmm. uh, you know i think it's really interesting that he had the idea of like let's throw a whole busby berkeley dance number mm-hmm. <laughs> at the top of this movie and then he goes back to to do the special edition return of the jedi and like let's put an mtv music video <laughs> in the middle of this he loves doing that yeah. but it's really powerful to me that this film starts not just with a dance number in a club but it evokes busby berkeley but also explicitly uh, uh, uh rogers and astaire mm-hmm. there's a direct gene kelly reference mm-hmm. with the 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 red cloth Mm -hmm. this isn't just a dance in a club this is a surreal hollywood dance number where it it's fantasy Mm -hmm. it's not logical they pass through the dragon's mouth and they go into a studio space that Mm -hmm. we as the audience are not invited to see in any way (laughs) Mm -hmm. how that correlates to the actual physical space so this film begins with like this ode to over the top fantasy indulgence and i think that is pulpy in its own way yeah i think it's that's very much the core of indiana jones and i think that's jumping ahead two movies christmas school where i just don't think that movie got a fair shake for some of the same things it did and we'll, we'll get to that movie when we get to that movie but i i think so i, I sometimes over the years will look back at temple of doom and been like but it's pretty crazy right yeah you all seen that why aren't you not connecting that to other films? Like they jumped out of a plane with a raft. You all seen that? And, and, and I, so I do enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, and it's so funny that what the tagline of this film is, uh, if adventure had a name, it must be Indiana Jones. I don't even know if Indiana Jones himself would agree with that, but that's what he is, you know? <laughs> right. And, and uh, yeah. he, I just, I just want to get back to my university, but I, I think you're right. It leaned, leaned into it. And, and uh, one, one little blip of a thought here. This movie has more of the 80s hallmarks, good and bad, and we talk about bad, celebrate the good, than than the others in the franchise. So it's fun to watch from that angle. This is why I love what you're saying. You're leaning into the pulp history of it there, and, and I think absolutely that's what it's inviting you to do, to slide on into this wonderful, magical world where Indiana Jones is also James Bond for a scene here. Uh, there's a lot going on. Um, I've always loved Club, Club Obi-Wan, but I more Raiders – is part of that early blockbuster template, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I and I was I was going to ask you, like, going for this is '84, so we've already had some '80s movies, but I think from here on out, yes, you got ET, everybody, I get it, but th- like the Amblin era, the mo- movies trying to capture this vibe, you got kids, Goonies follows, uh, uh, mm-hmm. the Goonies, like it, this one is like very much a it's of its time, uh, in a way the other ones aren't as much. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, and it's literally of its summer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 Gremlins, Ghostbusters, 
uh, they all have this mix of, of fun and fantasy and they're kid friendly, but they're uh-huh. extremely dark <laughs> and adult at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah we can do Ghostbusters Center sometime. <laughs> no, well, I finally seen it after all these years. So, yes. <laughs> oh, I understand with some of the if your parents took your He-Man action figures away, I understand why they might not be rushing you to see Ghostbusters <laughs> in the theater. But, yeah, I no, I would I would agree with that. I think it has uh, iconic Indiana Jones moments. I think it solidifies, yeah, some of the the eighties eighties tropes. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I also think that it's such a great song choice to tell you what you're getting into to have the song mm-hmm. "Anything Goes," mm-hmm. which is uh, you know Cole Porter song about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, in olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking, but now heaven knows anything goes. <laughs> um, the My favorite iteration of it, and the, the first one I heard, is on a, a Sinatra album when he's making his a big comeback in, uh, in Capitol Records and adds the line, uh, let me say, before this record spins to a close. Uh, so a meta line mm. uh, in anything goes. There's a lot of that in the history of the song. That's this winking awareness, which is another thing that kind of brings it into this realm of... Mm-hmm. of pulp of sexuality and of we are going on a no holds barred fantasy adventure buckle up anything goes mm-hmm. is a theme statement to the film too uh, i yeah it's in my theme themes uh, as well uh it's funny Ooh. as you're chatting i'm also looking up like who's covered this because this is a uh, this is one of those songs that that gets out there a lot i mean you know tony bennett lady gaga of course but like for years and years and years, yeah, uh, uh, there's been a lot of different versions of this song, and and it's uh, we could do a other center on that alone. Anyway, fascinating <laughs> take. And hey, look, Kate, it is one of the it is one of the like Tin Pan Alley songs that I think uh, sort of uh, survived the cultural change a little yep. bit more than some of them. Yeah, yeah, and also hilarious because my mom will be like, "Good songs like that one." I'm like, oh, what's it about, mom? Um, Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's big and it's, it's bold, and, and and I think that's kind of what was going on at the time. Uh, the song, the vibe, the the eighties. Uh, this is a this is a nineteen eighties movie where the other two were in that decade, but I don't count them as that. Yeah, no, I really agree. Um, yeah, and then I, I do want to take a moment to talk about some of the the representation stuff, some of the really controversial stuff. Um, and for me, that's why I said that I love this one because it's pulpy in the best ways mm-hmm. and for me in the worst ways of uh, the actual pulps, of course, had a, a lot of uh, you know, racial uh, ideas that uh, I'm, I'm not excited about um, are controversial and upsetting and, and totally understanding. And I think I've said this before about Star Wars with like the Tusken Raiders. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that I, I find such admiration and inspiration for Lucas and Spielberg and other people taking the things that they loved as kids and excavating what is, what is beautiful and exciting about them and in updating them to what was then the modern time. But then I think you have to be careful with when you're taking something from an older time, what are you bringing with it that maybe you don't intend to? Mm -hmm. And I always think that the messages in Lucas's work is always everyone matters, respect culture. Mm. Um, And then every once in a while, I think he just kind of brings in a trope from the actual serials, from the pulps, uh, the the way that the Tuscans, uh, Tuscan Raiders, Mm -hmm. even calling them Raiders, can be coded as, you know, 
the natives who live on the land and, and attack the farmers pulling straight from westerns like the searchers and, and it takes until uh the mandalorian book of boba fett to give those characters the perspective and, and respect that they deserve and for me this is a little bit of the same thing of there's parts of the story that uh, I understand where they're coming from uh, and there are other parts that I think are just sort of uh, without enough examination stereotypes brought from the past uh, and I totally understand and respect people who have uh, troubles with this film because of that. Yeah, uh, I mean, going to what you're saying about George uh, pulling forward, I, 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 you know, Gunga Din, the 1939 film was what he was pulling forward a lot of, right? A lot of inspiration for it and and, and I think so he gets all he probably claps his hands together and goes, "Hey, hey, hey!" And 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 this is part of growth as a society. This you look back and go, "Oh, you know, we didn't we didn't stop to think that that was the problem, but we didn't do it. But now we do." And and this movie absolutely should stand out to you. The the, the great white savior trope is one that's uh, discussed a lot. This movie's putting that uh, uh, that bucket of an example, and it is. And and I, I think uh, you look at it, and again, when I said all the '80s hallmarks, good and bad, this is this is what was at play. Right. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about their choices and some that worked, some that maybe are there um, that maybe don't get explored as much, but that doesn't take away from, from what's, what's on the screen. And, and uh, you know, I keep saying this, go, go back 10 years to comedies. It isn't that the comedies are raunchy or the same what they want. It's just the, the butt of jokes, the intention of jokes. That's all that continues to change time and time again. And I, I, I it's, hard to ignore in this film maybe more than the others yeah yeah so i I always do you know want to acknowledge that when i talk about loving this film i think one of the pulp elements that it brings forward that a lot of things did is the the mystic east trope Mm -hmm. um that's you know baked into the shadow of that's where he got his powers from the mystic east Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and obviously uh you know, it's one thing to consider a place that uh, you have not experienced as a as someone from the Western culture and go, that's mystic to me. Like, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that fantastic to the people who live there. It's their home. Um, and obviously those ideas change over time. So I think there's a little bit uh, of that uh, in this, the the mystic uh, mm-hmm. East trope. Um, yeah. And then the, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. Even in terms of just um, religion, the, the yeah, West versus East, it's, it's something that, um, yeah, I even mentioned my my stand up set in in, uh, in in Harrison Pub when we we're out there. It's like I, mm-hmm. Star Wars was almost banned in my house because it promoted <laughs> quote Eastern religions, and that was very much part of the conversation at the time. And so, it just uh, it's easy to to code that as villainous, right? That that's kind of how it was framed a lot. Yeah, villainous, or or I think just for me, sometimes that idea that other places are so unknowable that it, mm-hmm. if, if you can't, if you, if you want to explain where magic comes from in a genre story, there was a time in the world where Western writers would say magic existed, any strange faraway place. And like, and I just think we're, you know, it's not a strange faraway place. It's a part of the world. Uh, it's only strange and far away from a, a specific perspective. So I think it's that even when it isn't necessarily being coded as, villainous mm-hmm. you know it there's still this idea that uh, of treating another part of the world that can be known mm-hmm. <laughs> just ask people who they are and what their culture is and, yeah. and instead of like i think though in in a lot of genre stories now like powers come from space you know but mm-hmm. there's that time where like 
a mystic unknowable space could be Mars or it could be Canada. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been there. So it's mystic and unknowable to me. You yeah, know? indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I was reading up on the thuggy cult because I did want to understand more. And I think I had uh, spent a, a good chunk of time with the Wikipedia page, which, you know, cites many different scholars, many different perspectives. But the thing that emerged is uh, it seems like there is cultural agreement that there were, you know, various groups of Mm -hmm. uh, people who uh, would uh, steal from uh, uh, travelers, uh, mm -hmm. maybe sometimes steal from families, maybe use specific weapons, maybe they traveled in, in groups, uh, but that the cult idea is is not super historically accurate mm -hmm. and that there is a, a big picture question of, hey, uh, every culture is going to have uh, some people who rob and steal sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, that's human culture in that the the sort of uh weight to this idea of the the thuggy threat was a delusion exaggeration uh of british colonizers yeah right yeah uh yeah and, and the british empire definitely a president here huh <laughs> yeah yeah and there's some fascinating yeah. stuff with yeah. that which we, we will talk about um it, and it, it is always, uh, I want to be really clear. I am not an expert. I, I deeply want to be uh, respectful um, and uh, always am open to uh, hearing uh, people's uh, real lived experiences. I, I just read, read a Wikipedia page, but I want to be aware of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, uh, I think within that, so I really, I really, really want to say, I, I hear, I see these things. I, I hear these things. I acknowledge these mm -hmm. things. I do think there are elements of the film that get lost in the uh, concern about those. Um, yeah. We can talk about it in more depth, but I think so much of the film wants to show Indy's cultural respect mm -hmm. and ultimately wants to be a film about him respecting mm -hmm. the Shankara stones and their place within the culture and understanding the perspective of the people who, uh, who have a cultural right <laughs> to that object, what it means to them. So this is yet yet another one of those moments where I feel like the intent is to be respectful and the execution of that respect is not uh, always great. Oh, it's great. And, and, and sometimes reception over time gets muddled or, or like you said, not muddles, maybe not the right word, but just, yeah. And in, in in concerned about the big picture. Sometimes the little details are overlooked, uh, uh, we can talk about the, the dinner scene too, and just maybe the the intention versus how it came across. Uh, a lot of stuff there, and and yeah, ne never to toss any of it under the under the under the covers there, sweep it under the rug. Uh, I I think there's even things that are you know Willie Scott brings forth a lot of uh, interesting points, but also you know the intention of the character being different than Mary, and I think her growth where she ends up. I think all that stuff mm -hmm. there. Uh, yeah, the stuff with Indy, uh, the scene over the when they first get to the village and they're the food um, scene itself. Um, I think some important stuff there, but uh, yeah, but this goes to even how you, you and I discussed even like when you're putting art out there today or jokes or words out there today, um, just being able to, to look at what you're not only what you're saying, but how you're saying it is, is, is important. Um, so anyways, that's a, where I lean into the conversation. No, I, I really agree. And, and um, we'll, as we discuss the big picture themes and ideas, I'm sure we'll get into some more of these specific moments and how they're interpreted and why. Uh, other big overall thing I just wanted to share really quickly is uh, the James Bondness mm -hmm. of this. Of it, I, That's the infamous way that this whole Indiana Jones adventure gets started of Spielberg saying, I want to do a Bond 
adventure and Lucas going, I got something better than Bond. And there are elements of the the globe uh, trotting hero in Raiders of the Lost Ark. But there, it's fascinating to me that this is so much more James Bond mm-hmm. in attitude, structure, specific James Bond scenes. There's obviously the direct reference uh, with Indy's jacket in Club Obi-Wan, the white jacket, bow tie, red flower uh, from Goldfinger, which would have been a huge smash hit when Spielberg was about 18 years mm-hmm. old. Um, but there, it, then there are a lot of other uh, James Bond scenes and tropes. There's the... Uh, polite dinner scene with the person that bond slash indiana jones suspects Mm -hmm. of being the villain where uh the tactic is to just poke them and see how the Mm -hmm. villain reacts um the scene with uh indy and willie having their sort of mating ritual (laughs) is like we we got in Raiders that Indy and Marion had had a relationship we we got Marion's desire uh, to have sex again, but then Indy falls asleep. So, like, romance and sexuality is present, but this is just a straight-up James Bond scene. This is a, well, we're here tonight. Let's have sex. <laughs> <laughs> we're bantering. There's passion exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and it is it is Indy and, and Willie both wanting to and playing a game yeah. but it but it is just it's it's a different kind of sex scene mm-hmm. uh and it's a very james bond particularly like in the roger moore era, there really are just some like well i've got five minutes do you have five <laughs> minutes great and like uh n- no big romance no big build up it's just yeah. what happens yeah. uh and then also just structurally that um it feels a little bit more like indy go indy's got an opening uh, action scene then he gets his mission and he goes to the place where the villain is and kind of pokes them a little bit and then does a big attack on the villain's lair. And, and the, the end of the film is this big escape from the, the big weird lair, you know, almost like the Blofeld's volcano and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you only live twice. So it's just the whole thing just feels, moves, has more James Bond in it. Yeah, even Molaram kind of explaining his his plan. <laughs> what you're here for <laughs> while you're being tied up and tortured. Yeah, I, I think there's uh, you're absolutely right. And uh, which is interesting because there's some quotes out there about Spielberg looking back on this and you know going, I don't, my heart wasn't in this one as much as as the others. And it, which is obviously true from his perspective, but but definitely his influences, definitely his joys, and definitely what he uh, you know grew up on is in in this just as much as the others. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's a ton of like, yeah, that's a Spielberg shot. Yeah, that's a Spielberg moment. I mean, some of the like most Spielbergian shots that mm-hmm. them uh, Indian short round giving one another their hats back is like yeah. <laughs> one of the most Spielberg shots I've I've ever Spielberg. Uh, mm-hmm. It's yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think big picture for me, I, I think this film is got great action, comedy, horror. It, it's like a thrill ride or roller coaster ride but like a dangerous one, like a rickety one set up at a county fair. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, um, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, final, final thought for me before we dive into it here. Um, I, I was thinking maybe moving this a little bit later in the conversation, but I, I think it really affected how I took in this film this time around and doing the research. Um, Spielberg understanding the challenge of doing a second one, which again, Empire Strikes Back, I'm trying to think of another example. Jaws 2, not really. I don't know. Um, we're in that era where the, the franchise, uh, we're, we're talking about it now. It's just, uh, you know, normal conversation. We're talking about movies and movie news. 
back then. Maybe not so much. Bond, best, perhaps the best example. Uh, mm-hmm. I really, really, really love what he said here. If I may share the, the quote, the danger of making a single. Please. Uh, that's, yeah, danger of making a sequel is that you can never satisfy everyone. If you give people the same movie with different scenes, they say, why weren't you more original? But if you give them the same character and another fantastic adventure, but with a different tone, you risk disappointing the other half of the audience who just wanted a carbon copy of the first film with a different girl and a different bad guy. So you win and you lose both ways. And that makes a lot of sense now. It made sense then. But to look at this with that lens of, cool, we're going to do this again. We've got to be different. We want to be different. It's not unlike uh, that that prequel lens when you look back and go, yeah, 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 George George was absolutely setting out. Did it feel different? That's what he wanted. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what his intentions were. And so for me, I, I like it when Indy's fighting uh, Nazis in the desert, right? And so I always think of this movie, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, you know, I don't like it as much. Just to just to hear that and and have that note going into this viewing, you know, made me really appreciate everything they did, including things I uh, didn't like as much in the in the past. Uh, Willie Scott screaming and all that kind of stuff um, <laughs> still might not be some of my favorite, but when you just kind of acknowledge, oh, this is what was intended. That's what I'm picking up on. Uh, you engage with it a different way. Yeah, no, the the behind the scenes is about an hour long. That's attached to these uh, Blu-rays I got, uh, which I think are edited from the 2008 ones because it, it was slightly different. Um, but, you know, Lucas says, both Lucas and Spielberg said, we wanted it to be a little bit darker, that L- Lucas thought it should be the dark second chapter, even though it was a prequel, uh, and Spielberg was all on board, and that they both kind of feel like the darkness got away from us, and we we thought it was more balanced than it was. Uh, mm-hmm. And Lucas says, Lucas says on there, like, yeah, it's going through divorces in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but, so I, I think with a lot of the things in the film, it was intended to be dark. Mm-hmm there is just a question of, ooh, did did we get darker than than we yeah. meant it to? And for me, the darkness is not a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is absolutely upsetting when, when Indy hits short round. Mm-hmm. Um, it is upsetting to see the children in that, uh, in the situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that it's a different tone. And I think it's, I like that there's, it truly does feel like Indiana Jones got in a completely different adventure. Yeah. Than he did last time, and I think maybe that is one of the big reasons that I'm drawn to it. Yeah, you know, and which I, and you being an Attack of the Clones fan, I, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, different different point of view on it now, years later for me. Yeah, well, let's get into the big ideas here, uh, the big themes, the ideas at stake in the movie. I think that we're we're both probably on board with the what is the film is pretty clear about of uh, fortune and glory. Mm-hmm. I uh, got some other thoughts as well, but uh, but let's start there. For you, what is the the big theme? I, I uh, that that that's the biggest most that that's the theme that's on the poster, really. Uh, you know, not mm-hmm. actually on there. Um, but two, you you, you handed. I, I don't think it's a, a giant theme actually, but I I I wrote down anything goes three exclamation points, uh, and <laughs> for there there one of the reasons is there's there's a quote and I I. I do have to dig it up again, and I don't know if I copied it into my notes. Thanks. Good job, Ken. Um, of of Amrish Puri, who plays uh, Molaron, talking about the controversy in his autobiography. So that's a different thing, and, and he's got his thoughts on, on mm. culture and his own culture and um, a little bit of old man energy, too, of just like, eh, we did this to ourselves. Why are you mad at Spielberg? Like, the type of vibe. But so that aside, we can dive into that. But he also was like, 
basically, I'm really paraphrasing because I didn't put the quote in front of me. Basically, like, did you watch the film? <laughs> Guys jump out of a, they jump out of a plane on a raft. Do you think that's real? You think all this, this is a fantasy film. And I think because coming from Raiders, uh, you know, Raiders is a fantasy film too, but it's, it just has a different vibe, a definitely different vibe in Star Wars. And I think we can focus on that because we all think we can be indie, right? That's part of his appeal. It's even in the Disney Lucasfilm marketing. His appeal is he's like us. He's fearful, not always the best at it. He's in a spot that he needs to get out of. And that we think that's us. It's literally the marketing. So this film begins exactly like I said. I love you pointed out. It's it's not just a sing and dance song and dance number. It is it is fantastical. And and I think mm-hmm. it sets up for everything going on here and also how you get out of it. And also what the villains think. They think anything goes because they're here about power. We'll get to that thing. Indy's got to get out of here. He's got to do anything. He's got to stop a, a cart with his feet. Anything goes. I really think <laughs> it was purposeful. And 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 you end on her face, Kit Kat singing that. It, it, it's not just like, oh, they're doing a, a, a Mandarin cover of Cole Porter here. She's telling you, are you ready? Because anything goes. I absolutely think it's intentional. And and I had a big laugh watching that this time around. That, yeah, that whole first scene, it, it, I love everything about it. We'll talk more, more with, the, with the action. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really agree with you. I think that is the best way for me to process the film. And again, maybe, maybe the reason I, I like it is if you view it as, okay, the, the thuggy cult is, is not at all real. Obviously, the pulling hearts out mm-hmm. is the, you know, pretty fantastic and supernatural. Uh, but if, if you disconnect it from any historical discussion which again huge caveat that it is worthy to discuss but i'm just saying for for film analysis um it it's 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 bonkers the film it's bonkers over the top let's throw elbows mm-hmm. let's see what we can get away mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh with shattering not not in terms of like you know feelings because i yeah. think there's a great heart to this uh, film again mm-hmm. not a, a, a one that's still inside your chest uh <laughs> metaphorical one um but yeah i really agree with you i think there is a it, it like much like the mind card of can we keep this mf on the rails yeah. is yeah. the vibe yeah yeah absolutely and like and, and this is maybe from like my, my own personal experiences i guess but it's like i think you could overlook Raiders and Last Crusade they 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 seem more real you got um uh, you know uh Nazis, World War II vibes, all those kind of things you, you can find in, in our history books growing up, you know, talking about my, my school experience. You overlook that there's a thousand-year-old knight living in a cave, you know, that that faces are melting off, whether you think that would really happen in the Ark or not. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about, but it's just like but you focus on other things the the sand and the dirt and the dust on indy's face seems more real than the other films than this one you're mm-hmm. also why i jumped to the crystal skull thing of like you know what a nuke in a fridge scene i'm all on board for it because weren't you on board for them escaping a crashing plane in a raft and it's the second mm-hmm. fall that is more unrealistic than the first in that raft so what do you <laughs> the, the, the waterfall waterfall like what do you do and uh and i think again watch the opening scene watch the dance number i think it's all there yeah, I love that. I love that. I think for me, like the big picture idea with for- fortune and glory mm-hmm. is is pretty clear. But I think there's a lot of great ideas within it. Mm-hmm. I think I think it, it it's Indy's descent. Um, mm-hmm. In Raiders, we talked a lot about him being sort of uh, tempted to fall into dark instincts and, and tempted to lose his way. 
but this is about he's already he, he's on a dangerous path. He's presented really clearly with two reasons to pursue the Shankara stones. Um, I think I say Shankara stones sometimes because I'm used to reading it, but they say Shankara pretty consistently in the film. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll say Shankara. Uh, so he's presented with two reasons to pursue the Shankara stones. One is to help a ravaged village mm-hmm. or for his own fortune in glory. And in pursuit of those, not in, in not being entirely clear on, on which one is, is leading him the most, he literally descends into hell, mm-hmm. literally loses his soul, and then uh, with the help of family, reemerges into light, sets off the righteous fire of the stone's true purpose, mm-hmm. defense and protection. And what is he defending and protecting? Really clearly communicated ideas of community, children, nature, warding off evil. So uh, I feel like the the idea of it's about fortune and glory is is absolutely accurate, but it's about fortune and glory versus these very Star Wars themes of defense and protection and laying out what are things that are uh, coded as evil in our morality and what are things that are coded as good in our morality mm-hmm. and what is what is our responsibility to defend against the evil and preserve and protect the good? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think um, this fortune and glory thing, like I said, it, it, it's almost almost on the poster. It's it's not actually, folks, but it's almost there as the open team. But it's it's a flow chart, right, <laughs> down into <laughs> all the things beyond it. Uh, and and you said most Star Wars like in a way, and I I, I agree with that. Um, I agree with that a lot in the sense of um, there's a lot of ideas about power and power growing by taking away agency, taking away choice, even taking away, uh, you know, your own will, which is is maybe Mm. in that circle, but like a a reality to it. There's a lot of this. It's just a ghost story. Don't worry about it, which is an indie vibe, right? Like he's kind of always Mm -hmm. dancing between that. I've seen some things, but I don't know if I believe it. There's always a man in a costume behind it. He's, he's always got that vibe. That's indie. That's why we like him. But I love the confrontation with the prime minister when he says, I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about folklore and just how power goes to these great lengths to, to hide what they're doing and they're never going to stop. And, and it's bigger and bigger and, 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 and all leading to you touched upon it, but what, what, what these, these sh- uh, stones come down from from Shiva with the edict go forth and combat evil, and for India mm-hmm. to be in all that, and that's the, all that's placed against fortune and glory. And there's some very key scenes. Indy takes the stones. He see we see the fortune and glory in his eyes. It's it's twinkling there, ding ding ding. But that's when he mm-hmm. the screams of the tortured kids. So it's very on the surface. But I think it's it's like you said, it's that versus all the other stuff, uh, and why why you should help, why you should use your power for good, all these kind of things. A lightsaber might as well have been in his hand. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. And I think what makes me like the film a lot is the the thrill. And the, mm-hmm. it, it is a different adventure for Indy. And it's edgier, like everything we've been talking about. But I think in some of our discussions of the history of it and the controversy of it, and Spielberg isn't a huge fan, mm-hmm. and Lucas was getting divorced, like, Kasdan wasn't there all those things to me when I watched the film was like this is actually really well constructed and is extremely clear on its thematic ideas and supports them extremely well 
Um, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, was, I really agree with that. And, and I think there's, go with me here. This might be a little out of left field, but like some of the things that, that you and I and Jen and others uh, on Force Center, you know, communities might complain about where, where we're just like, we all know too much of how the, the, the meal is made these days with movie news and scoops. Mm. And we carry that in to the films. I think over the time mm. this, you've just, you, you've listed a, 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 a checklist of all the stories we know about this film. <laughs> and they're, and, and, and they're all valid, especially the ones about it, you know some of the issues around it. Spielberg's place in life. All, we know those like as much as we know this movie. I think we know them more than this movie. I think that's one of the things mm. that I was. It was fun for me to like go. It doesn't matter what Spielberg thought about it. What was up there? What was there? It still doesn't have to be yeah. my favorite. But what's going on in this film is not discussed uh, as much as well. Divorces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Got that got that. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think that is, you know, the power of engaging with the the, the film itself as, as well as being aware of mm -hmm. uh, the behind the scenes, but not letting the behind the scenes become the movie. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, it you know, uh, I used to make jokes uh, when the DVDs with all the bonus features were really popular about they should just start putting out uh, those DVDs with <laughs> the film isn't there. <laughs> it's just people talking about a film that doesn't exist because we can get so fascinated with behind the scenes. Like, <laughs> Let's look at the actual movie disc. Uh, is an example of what I'm I'm saying. the The fortune and glory thing is very clear because Indy lays it out. Um, Willie calls him on it. Uh, mm -hmm. It is the him him using the the righteous power of the stones as intended uh, by the the culture there, and, and saying to the the elder of the village that, that he gets their power. Now that stuff's already clear, but the idea of riches and wanting them isn't just indie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, short round is an orphan who needs to hustle to survive. That's how they met. Mm -hmm. uh, they're playing poker. Short rounds looking up the Indian and thinking is, is this all about fortune and glory? So it's there with short round. Um, I, I think for me, Willie Scott is a great, uh, a great idea of a character supports a ton of the themes i think the the comedy of her is very funny i think some of the jokes are really well executed and i think then some of them aren't as well executed and we get distracted by the quantity and tone of the screen but but <laughs> willie scott is Sorry. is in here yeah as a parody of american extravagance of american greed yeah uh yeah. She she fights for a diamond in the opening scene. Mm -hmm. It's arguably what gets her into this mess to begin with. Uh, before she finds out he's a child, she wants to marry the Maharaja. Mm -hmm. Maybe all of this was worth it because she gets to dress up like a princess for a moment. Um, she gets excited by the idea of the diamonds in the Shankara stones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a drive-by line where, where uh, Molaram explains the, the bad guy's plan, but the captured children are digging not just for the two missing Shankara stones to complete their power, but then it's also like, and by the way, there's probably some other gems here too. Yeah. Diamonds and gems and how everybody wants them isn't just Indy's confusion about why, mm -hmm. what is he after? Everybody here in this film is battling with, with greed. And is, is that the highest uh, loftiest thing to go for in life? Uh, yeah. I, I, I... Yeah, I, I don't know if we want to dive all all into the Willie Scott stuff now, and maybe it's all through the episode, but, like, I definitely agree, you know, the you, the quantity and tone you said, hilarious, a lot yes. there. <laughs> There's some easy jokes, uh, breaking nail jokes and all that kind of stuff. Again, they've also probably seemed tired 
now. I don't know if they were as tired in 84. Maybe they should have been tired in 84, but maybe they weren't. But I really actually I really love what you said, because especially on this this view and taking in it of of. And also knowing like the dinner scene has this vibe of like you, you Westerners think this is what we are. So we're going to give it to you and we're going to shove it in your face. You want snake surprise? You got it. And she's kind of mm-hmm. the embodiment of that. And I think there's those moments where Indy's like, almost like, don't be a dumb American. <laughs> you know, like, like how many times did I have throughout? Yeah. 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 You are embarrassing me. Yeah. <laughs> how many times in London and Paris, uh, my final, finally traveling abroad in my head, I was like, don't, don't be a dumb American. <laughs> like, like try, and it's a struggle. And, and, and we often, you know, part of, part of our, 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 our American centric, uh, centric problem is that we just, we, we, we are the ones who have the Levi jeans. You follow us, right? That's kind of the, the bad vibe. And, 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 and I think there's so much about her that is that, and this is a character that, that grows from that has some of the key lines at the end grows to that. And mm-hmm. this is a character that also screams at one point, I can't do it, but you know what? She ends up doing it. And I think she has mm-hmm. more, there's more to the character than I, I think even I, or just pop culture conversations in general have given it. No, I, I, I really uh, I agree with you. I'll, I'll sneak in this other um, sub theme that I really mm-hmm. like. It, it, I think it's one of the things that, that Willie really supports and represents. And I think it's one of the things that ties this Indiana Jones film really explicitly to Bond. For me, one of the main appeals of James Bond, both literary and in a lot of the, the film work, mm. is this incredibly strong contrast between high, high-end sophistication, the best of the best, best mm. versus just awful brutality that no one would ever want to go through. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's one of the reasons that Casino Royale is one of the best films because he's in this high-end uh, casino drinking the best drinks, wearing the best clothes, and then behind the scenes, he's he's trying not to be murdered with a machete in a stairway and having to <laughs> hide a body and hide his trauma and hide his pain. And, like, that's the, that's the sort of fascinating, you know, like, you, you watch it. And you're, when, when people, like, everybody wants to be James Bond, like, yeah, I want to be James Bond mm-hmm. up in the club, not in the stairwell. Right. I don't want to be James Bond in the stairwell. Right. In this film, really, really, um, it, it's there all, all, all through Indy with the, you know, professor, uh, you know, books and glasses versus swagger and whip and punching. Um, but it's all over this film. You know, it starts in a fancy club and he's in a nice suit and Willie's in a fancy dress. Um, mm-hmm. the, the idea of everybody's trying to hide the violence in the club. The, the pops mm-hmm. of champagne cover gunshot. That's sophistication yeah. versus brutality. The initial things they're fighting for is, do you want a diamond or an antidote for poison? Mm-hmm. Uh, the palace itself, when we come to the palace, there's all sorts of shots really showing us culture. There's the the lovely garments. There's the mm-hmm. amazing uh, dance. There's the architectural beauty of the palace itself. And it's all sitting on top of brutality of a mm-hmm. horrific roiling hell pit. And I feel like uh, all a lot of Willie's perspective a lot of willie's jokes it is about the the parody of american wanting extravagant extravagance but i think it also supports this this theme and this fun mood of sophistication versus brutality because all of her perspective is initially material she just wants the finest things Mm -hmm. and it's where all the comedy comes from is she's this to me this fun joke is what if james bond complained about his adventures for the entire film (laughs) and to me, it's a really great joke, a really great perspective. And the the 
the issues are, I think there's mixed results in the execution of it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I love it conceptually. I love the, I, where did my gun go? I broke a nail and I threw it out because it was too hot. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Maybe the screams are a, a few too many, but I feel like it's all coming from this idea of sophistication versus this kind of brutal, gritty world that Indy lives in. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it, it maybe in the end at times maybe it becomes too easy just to to write off the character because again, I think clearly not we, but pop culture over the years has. Um, but also just from the idea going 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 to that uh, Spielberg quote of like you've just had Marion Ravenwood who is very worldly, who is uh, very much her own and very much a, 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 a you know positioned as a, as an equal. I'm your goddamn partner for Indiana Jones. What do we do? What challenges him? What's different? It's someone that's going to embarrass and someone doesn't know. Someone who's, who's uh, against, you know, it stands, uh, you know, on the other side of maybe some things he's about, but also maybe Indy sees some of himself in that as he pursues mm-hmm. fortune and glory, runs into problems, uh, you know, accused grave robber in Honduras, all these things about him. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe she's asking some questions based on this. And, and again, she, she, she does have some change in growth, I think. I think so too. Yeah. And, and I get that you can watch it from the filter of Marion does get rescued a couple of times, mm-hmm. but she is much more close to equal. And yeah. you watch all the interviews with Karen Allen, how much she sort of fought for. I don't want to just stand around in, in the market. I want to hit some guys with a pan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I understand that you can watch it from that lens and, and she can look like a uh, stereotypical damsel in distress. I just think there, and I respect that uh, and anybody who has that opinion, but I just think there's more going on with the character and there's so much more um, writerly, directorly creative choices with the character. And maybe that's it. Of like, even if she ends up falling into a damsel in distress, uh, distress trope from time to time, I don't feel like it was just this lazy thing that happened. She's meant to be a parody of American extravagance. She's meant to be a parody of somebody who initially can't even abide the smell of an elephant and then fights her way out of mm-hmm. uh, hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder too, and this is not to write off any of, of um, the execution sins, so to speak, but but also this this comes out and, and certainly the, the trope existed before and certainly it comes from another bygone era, but going forward too, uh, and those influenced by this film or influenced by the series, yeah, maybe sometimes you just, you just take the surface and run with it, right? Where you don't, maybe you don't get it's a parody. You don't get what's commenting on. And then you write this kind of character going forward. Cause it, 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 I don't know. It made, made me laugh when I was eight, the nail broke joke. And maybe that's also part of the, 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 the downside of the legacy too, is, is sometimes that maybe the intention and the art and what is there gets watered down in other versions. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, a lot of her comedy does work to mm-hmm. me, uh, as we'll talk about when we get to some favorite comedy beats. Mm-hmm. Um, go, going back to our fortune in, in glory idea, um, I, I do really think uh, what happens in the village is is so important, and, and one of the reasons that I feel like it's got a lot of very Star Wars, not just good guys, bad guys, light side, dark side, but let's define mm-hmm. um define those i think you said some great things about the villains about it it is about greed it is about ultimate power it is about taking away people's agency in in every way i think that's a great call but on the other side you you get this picture of you know the village's plight is the problem of the movie it is Mm -hmm. the true mission and all of these things that are coded is uh wonderful have been disrupted a community Mm -hmm. family nature balance 
the it's one of the more successful uh, uh, scenes to me when Indy is translating for the benefit of, of Willie and Short Round in saying everything that the village has been through. Mm. Uh, it 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 um, lets it really sink in that the water has dried up, the animals have turned to dust, mm. the children are all gone. Mm. Uh, it, it is nature disrupted and this sort of natural order of here's a community that's in balance with their environment mm-hmm. that values family, all those things, you know? Yeah, very much so. Very much so, uh, you know, in, in, you look at the next generation being gone, right? And this is how this is how cultures die. This is how communities die and uh, all being there and, and those on the other side who would take it from them. Yeah, and and I think there is even within that some. I think uh, Lucas is already always interested in sort of uh, punching up at the 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 wealthy, the gatekeepers, and even if it wasn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it turns out to be a scary cult, um, it, it is it's the palace raiding a village for its resources, mm-hmm. and I think there is some of the, that very classic um, defense uh, against. The, mm-hmm. the the rich abusing the small community, which is you know present so many places in Star Wars. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You could you could um, you know taking taking away the cold aspect of it there in the film, but yeah, it's it's a it's a, a government, so to speak, not not taking care of the people underneath it. Yeah, perhaps uh, uh, yeah, even not even not taking care of them, but directly abusing right. them. <laughs> yeah. So you said a lot of uh, I think great things of kind of how these key moments are are played out i think it, it's one of the great parts of the film to me is it does seem like indy is affected by the village's mm-hmm. plight like he's he's he thinks this is awful and and he's fascinated uh but then he gets zealous when the escaped child brings a torn paper mm-hmm. how do you wrestle with that obviously he explicitly says that once he gets the the clue uh, that it's fortune and glory but do you believe him uh, or do you do you think a part of him is initially motivated also by the plight of the village? I, I, I think India has a desire to do good uh, always. Right. And this is something that we've we'd already seen. But again, writers happens a year later. So maybe he's always gone through some changes. But uh, I I love that scene because even in my notes, I'd started to write some notes down on the fortune and glory theme because, you know, Indy's looking around and going, oh, they, there's a problem going on here. So I think it affects him. I think it affects him. Um, but as that's weighed and then put uh it, it odds with his desire for fortune and glory and treasure hunting uh, i think it becomes even more interesting to me uh i don't it's, it's not quite the duality of man but it's that kind of it's kind of that kind of thing he was on the right path but then all of a sudden he's knocked off it real quick and, and that's how it does happen right we all might think we're on the right mm-hmm. path doing the right thing uh doing good and some weakness pops up some pursuit for something bigger uh, money, fame, whatever it might be. I, I really love that scene of, of, of this kid comes out. Like, he's not in good shape. <laughs> you know, he's not in good shape. And you're like, cool, Indy, Indy's going to help. And I, I think when I talked up top about I had a distant haze um, in front of my eyes over this film. I couldn't remember maybe some of the beats and orders as much as I remember the other films, which I've seen hundreds of times. Uh, this, theme, this scene stood out to me. As always, it's a little mm-hmm. bump. He's still got a ways to go. It's interesting to me. It adds, mm-hmm. it adds complications to Indy. Yeah, and I think the fact that he is, um, I, I acknowledge the uh, the white savior trope that he's being asked to save mm-hmm. the village for sure, but he's so respectful, right? And and mm-hmm. uh, of their culture and their food, and you know, 
interested about what's going on in the village. And then it's just like, it's like the shiny, the pull of the shiny, (laughs) the pull of like, and I think it's, you know, that whole opening action scene is fascinating and great. And at the end of the day, all he escapes with is his life Mm -hmm. and almost loses that, you know, so he's not on a winning streak right now. Yeah. I don't know if Indy ever really is. He gets wins. <laughs> he gets wins. He gets wins. But and, and I just really agree with you that this whole uh, theme of fortune and glory versus what are the what's the real power of the stones? What are their real value? Mm-hmm. Defending what is good. Mm-hmm. Such a key moment when he gets the stones and basks in the glow, and then he hears that yeah. scream and, and turns back. And his journey isn't over. He still, you know, literally loses his soul uh, for a little a little while there. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I don't know if it's literal. Uh, he uh, loses his agency for a little while there um, but uh, it, it is all about that mm, if he truly was all about fortune and glory he would have just turned kept going with those stones and he wasn't and I think that's you know that that I I, I that line about to the village elder of like I, I understand their power I, I didn't write that line down so I'm paraphrasing now it, it, it feels to me like that is you know, maybe he's acknowledging like, hey, yeah, if you if you invoke them and believe in them, they'll mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can start a fire to ward off evil. <laughs> I, I feel like it's less like the literal like I get it they're you, They burst into flames. It's much more about like almost like a mea culpa of like I get. I get why you need a symbol to uh, capture what you value most, which is protecting what is most valuable to you, mm-hmm. which is community, nature, balance, family. I really think Indy in that moment was like, I understand the themes now. <laughs> I, I watched the film more closely and didn't just read. <laughs> yeah. The behind the yeah, scenes. That's how, that's how I take it too. Yeah. Got one other bigger picture idea that I, that I want to discuss, but I'm also curious if you have uh, other thoughts. No, that's some of the big stuff there. Uh, we definitely, I, I really wanted to get to the Willie stuff there. Uh, and, and I think we did. And it ties in well, the other stuff. Uh, so no, hit me with your hit me with your best shot. I I think this theme overlaps a little bit with the the fortune and glory and what is valuable, but I, I think the film has got a fascinating focus on family and children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a decision to do a, a, a dark second chapter, um, and everybody's on board with that, and yet somehow they're also like, and it's got to have a lot of kids, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting choice to me. Uh, the plight of the of the village could have just been uh, the you know the horrible uh, famine and the, yeah, the theft of their sacred object. It, it could have been that half of the the village of adults or half of the village of all ages had been mm-hmm. taken. But it's the children. Uh, the we we get to hear how awful it, it is for the children about their the living nightmare lives they can't wake up mm-hmm. from. Um, so it, it's explicit with the children. Um, and then, uh, short rounds presence throughout is a sidekick. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we haven't talked about it a lot. I think short round is, is great. I, I didn't see this film in 84, but I grew up with short round because mm-hmm. everybody who did get to see the movie told me about short round, pretended to be short round on the playground. Yeah. I knew some of his lines and his moves. Um, but he, he's, he's got an extremely powerful presence in the film because it's not just short round. It's Willie's presence too of this is his dark pulpy movie, but this weird group of characters is coded as a nuclear family. Mm. 
almost like uh, you know, 50s and 60s films did this explicitly of you know, maybe you can be a little wild, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you got to remind the audience that nuclear family, mom, dad, 1.5 children is natural and right and good. Uh, a lot of sitcoms, you know, uh, that that was their mission to remind everybody that this is the way it should be. And in this dark, <laughs> dangerous film, it, it, this film in, in some ways can be looked at is like a this is Indy's National Lampoon Bad Vacation family trip. They're camping, they're dining. The kid knows he's got to get out of the way because mom and dad are going to make another <laughs> child for the nuclear family. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going going on in in the coding of family, mm. and short round really being coded as as a next generation and as a as a son. Um, he mirrors Indy so much. He poses like him in the village uh, when India is talking to the elder and then thinking of things through in short round, it literally imitates him. Um, they get whipped together, upsetting. Uh, they, uh, the, the, they have the mirrored beating up the bad guys uh, together, um, which I also understand kids wailing on each other is <laughs> maybe upsetting. I, I will acknowledge that, but uh, you, a lot of a lot of the victory happens because short round makes an inventive I'm making it up as I go escape mm -hmm. like Indy would uh, the explicit Spielberg shot of they hand one another mm -hmm. their hats um, and, and, it, and there is the you know I love you Dr. Jones and all that but but there's just so much in it that feels like this isn't just about um short round is a is a kid so indy has a responsibility to take care of this kid he's traveling around with but short round really coded as indy's child who is going to learn how to navigate the world by looking up to this father figure yeah down to the the, the crosses arms and all that stuff like him yeah yeah you're absolutely right now i it's interesting it's like i don't necessarily know if it was part of that Spielbergian children are our future, uh, treat them well vibe, which was prevalent in the eighties. But, and you're also talking about sitcoms and everything from the fifties, sixties and seventies pulling it forward. But it's just interesting that all that comes in this time, right? I said eighties hallmarks. I think one of it is kids and kids adventures. Um, these follows as we know. Um, so, so I think all that does kind of, does kind of track and a, and a reminder of to, to, um, and I'm not saying that, you know, again, I, I know what you're saying too. It's not that they're saying you have to go get married, you have to go get kids, but it's, it is a generational thing and, and to protect the the generations. And I think there's something there too with the, uh, that, that fight scene that Indy has um, uh, with, with, with the royalty there that, that, uh, you know, it, it ends okay. He's free. <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, the Majora is, uh, is free of, of being mistreated mm -hmm. by his elders. Right. And, and, and even though he's, he's one technically in charge. I, I, so I, 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 I agree with you there. It's really interesting. And again, and very much, I would love to analyze it and, and, and how it's very much of its time. Yeah. But you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, the Maharaja is another child who needs to be helped. And I think that's really what it's about in a lot of ways is the village's plight, which is the actual motivation and the, the soul of the movie is about um, a, a community in balance, a, a family in balance, and that, that balance being restored. And then I think that's mirrored by that's what's going on with Indy's adventure of Indy is just just out for, he, he's, he's going to get his diamond mm -hmm. at the top. That, that doesn't work out. Now he's going to get his fortune and glory, and then he's going to get home. 
and he accidentally ends up with a family and the responsibility of um mm-hmm. a father uh his his capture and and possession i think one of the reasons that it feels as dark and awful if he was by himself it, it wouldn't be that dark or awful um mm-hmm. If he was just with Marion, I don't think it would be as dark and awful. Mm-hmm. But it, he is failing uh, his family. Mm-hmm. He is failing as a father, a protector, a guardian of the family unit. You know, they're yelling, Indiana, help us. Mm-hmm. And he's doing the exact opposite of what he's supposed to do, of what the stones are for, to protect and defend. And that's that's what's really lost. Mm-hmm. That's what's really upsetting, is that he's so far from what he should be, which is... A protector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going into the, the pits of hell to learn who, who you are. Uh, Indy has this pursuit of, of uh, uh, facts over truth, but I love when he learns all these hard truths. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, you know, it's important that Indy is rescued by short round. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's rescued by the next generation. Uh, and he's rescued with two things, love and being burned with a torch. <laughs> <laughs> So true. <laughs> Very, it, that, that's this film in a nutshell of like, mm-hmm. thematically what we want you to know is that the love of a child can save a father who's lost his way. But also you need to burn him, yeah. burn his naked chest with fire. Fire. I just looked this up as you're, as you're talking. Uh, the the uh, uh, Zalem Singh is the Maharaja. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's played by Ray uh, Singh, who now is an air traffic controller in Chicago. Ooh. Look at that. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's a, I feel like the, it's a dark movie, but it ultimately is about saving kids. And I was really interested to see that language also be used by the prime minister, mm-hmm. uh, by Chatter Lal. Um, I, I, I think I understand, again, uh, that, that there's a lot in this film that is not great when it comes to representation in politics. But there's also this thread that... Um, Chatter Lal is is motivated to be involved with the cult uh, because he has righteous fury at being colonized mm-hmm. uh, by Britain yeah. and in particular by being infantilized. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that has children coming out of everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, every corner, every frame. Uh, and in a movie that is very focused on children in the family unit, Chatter Lal says, the British worry so about their empire makes us all feel like well-cared-for children. Mm-hmm. Specifically saying, like, you are taking our agency away. You are treating us like incompetent children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the British won't let us forget mutiny of 1857. Uh, all those things. I, I don't think the film is... I think the film is is muddy because Jadar Lal is not mm-hmm. doing great things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, if there's an implication that he's been brainwashed, I don't think it's in the film. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to read that he was on, on board with this and helped make this happen out to get, uh, to get his country right. back. So it gets really complicated because I think it, it has some of, uh, I think in some ways the film leans into uh, some not great stereotypes, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's got that kind of classic Lucas pushing back at the empire uh, the British Empire in, in this context. I, I, it stood out to me more than any other time, just because we're looking for this stuff here. And, and obviously, as, as I've uh, grown up and learned more about history, but I, I didn't wasn't fully aware of what uh, Hail Britannia, Britannia rules the world, you know, meant as a, a 
second grader watching Temple of Doom, right? Um, and I, the Captain Blumberg character was, you probably read the same notes. There was kind of thoughts of him being more involved, Chatter Law being more involved, and then, then the movie kind of as it gets pared down, as movies often do, that they focus on what they need and want to focus on. So uh, I think that's a fascinating part of that dinner conversation because you got snake surprise. That's what I remembered all my life, right? <laughs> snake surprise. Yeah. I used to say it to my friends and I still joke about that. Uh, Willie's eyeball soup, ah, all that's going on. And that's what the movies remember for. And that scene is, is, is uh, maybe not taken as, as somewhat intended, but that conversation at the end of the table is fascinating to me about real world politics. Mm-hmm. Their oh yeah. Trying to address. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the uh, pushing back on Indy mm-hmm. of being like, yeah, yeah oh, you're, you're here because you're upset that we took a Shankara stone. What do you do for a career? You take things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot going on there. You you mentioned this. Uh, I found it on Wikipedia as well. The actor who played Chatterlal, uh talked about that banquet scene, that it was a joke that went wrong, saying... Stephen intended it as a joke, the joke being that Indians were so smart they knew all Westerners would uh, think that Indians eat cockroaches, so they served them what they expected. The joke was too subtle for that film. Uh, that is the actor, uh, Roshan Seth's uh, take. Obviously, uh, I think people can uh, uh, can totally uh, respect being upset with it. I do think it is yet another one of the things in the film that um, uh, maybe the execution was not there because I... I I have watched it going like, yeah, that everybody involved is, is either at that dinner is either being controlled by the cult or in the cult Mm -hmm. and they are messing with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so when I watched it as an adult, I did not have any, any inclination that this film is telling me that is actual cuisine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it it is, this, this is a, it's a comedy lesson, quite frankly. I mean, this is your, your intentions can be, um, misconstrued contentions can be missed, but also you can just lean so far sometimes in a parody satire or whatever you're trying to get out that, 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 that the meaning is lost. I've experienced this. I know you experienced this. Um, my groundlings career ended with a sketch that was supposed to be about defending one thing. And it sounded like it was attack on that thing. And I got a lot of heat for that. Um, mm-hmm. I learned the lesson of choose your words wisely because these words matter. So I, I think it's, fa- I, it was fascinating. I'm glad you mentioned it. I mentioned earlier too, just like I saw that notes and was just like, okay, it's a different, different way to look at the scene than, than I was raised to. Cause again, I'm seven, I'm eight snakes. Ooh, gross. Chilled monkey brains. Ooh, you know, no one sat down and told me, well, here's what Spielberg meant. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. And I really, uh, uh, I'm glad that you, you know, make the comparison to real life jokes because I've certainly had the thing too of, of I intend this joke to mean this other thing, but it's not constructed to make that mm-hmm. uh, clear enough to the, the audience that I'm performing it for. And I think maybe that is the heart of the discussion is even if it's intended as a joke and intended as um, the people at that table messing with the obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, squeamish uh, obsessed with American extravagance woman Mm -hmm. that if the audience didn't read it that way then it has still done its damage and made people feel like it is looking down talking down to Mm -hmm. Indian culture and cuisine yeah I very much agree with that all right Uh, so moving along here um, we talked a little bit with Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, what the meaning of the title is Uh, I think 
this one is fascinating. What is what do you feel is the meaning of the title, Temple of Doom? Well, what I love too is they had the intention of Temple of Death, right? And uh, that made a lot of sense too. Uh, I love looking at this title from George's eyes. This idea that he wanted mm-hmm. this one to be darker because in his mind it was the second act of a trilogy. But this trilogy is far less connected than Star Wars for me in terms of the the beat goes on. It, it's a different vibe. It's still connected, obviously, but you know what I mean. So uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned it earlier. This is kind of where it's going. This title's not a lie. It is a place of doom and despair. It is the the uh, uh, pits of Hades, the, the fires and flames of hell. It's Exegol was an example now of where you go into <laughs> and what you got to face. And, you know, Indy going in for fortune and glory, as we discussed, uh, quite simply has to face the darkness and, and move into the light. Uh, it couldn't be more more plain to me. And it is a temple of doom. Yep. He descends into a temple of doom, and then he ends by climbing mm-hmm. up <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the top of a bright hill. Uh, yeah, I, I love it because it is so absolutely pulpy a temple of doom mm-hmm. is is a, a pulp title uh and doom i think has because it's been so associated with the heightened pulpy adventure we've lost sense of you know some of the actual meanings of the word you know mm-hmm. a law or ordinance especially in anglo-saxon england uh, you can actually mm-hmm. <laughs> uh meet your doom uh, by breaking a law, um, unhappy destiny, death, destruction, or some other terrible fate are some of the uh, the definitions. And I think it's really, really pulpy and over the top. But it's also saying that, yeah, that's what's at stake is mm-hmm. is Indy's, Indy's soul is on the line. The doom isn't just, you know, oh, no, he might get mm-hmm. hit with a club. It's, <laughs> it's he might lose who he is. He might lose what right. uh, the sense of what should be value. Yeah, 100%. Well, we got a lot to talk about in terms of the exciting action and comedy, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back to continue our discussion of Temple of Doom. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And we're back, Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast, digging deep into Temple of Doom. A lot of meaning there, Joseph. But, you know, there's also some great action moments, some comedy, and a lot of things to discuss. So let's go on. Yeah, yeah. I love discussing the big ideas, but I also really, like like we do with Star Wars, wanted to take a step back and go, the, the big ideas are part of the point. Mm. But also, and I think maybe even more with Indiana Jones, the point is the action in the comedy. Mm. The point is to put people on a wild, dangerous county fair roller coaster. Yeah. So I want to be sure to celebrate those. Uh, where do you start with action moments? I, I've, I've said, I said in the overall episode, I, I absolutely have to start with Club Obi-Wan. And the nice thing is there's so much there to it that you and I could probably spend the entire sequence here talking about it, right? <laughs> like, I, I, it is the bond vibes. It's the anything goes vibes, but I, I love that it is, it's so, it's so vibe wise, I think similar to indie. it's indie, but it's just so different, right? It's indie, um, and that white coat, you know, we're so used to it. I'd lo- I love later on when he kind of switches into his stuff and he's back and he's on the plane and, you know, and she has a great moment there too, but I just love that. The, uh, but the way it's shot, the way it's put together. And again, this is 84, so maybe now you've grown up and you've seen a lot of these beats elsewhere. And and, and again, Spielberg and Lucas clearly pulled from other beats they grew up with as well. But that's just how it works. So mm-hmm. kicking the antidote, just missing it, reaching it, all that stuff works so well for me. And it still holds up and it still shot so beautifully. One of my favorite things is that lazy Susan exchange. Just that. <laughs> yes. It's so great. And the, you mentioned the 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 gun pot the gun the gunshots hidden with the the pops of the champagne just a, it's a beautiful sequence it is an absolute celebration mm-hmm. of adventure serial turned to 11 mm-hmm. and then that knob broken off and turned to another machine and then turned that one to 11 yeah. it 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 really is them looking at like the adventure serials and going like what if we just did that absolutely is mm-hmm. is uh, fast explosive as big as possible. The one problem becomes a bigger problem becomes another different problem. And the fact that you get a little bit of breathing room, but it really is from, from Kate Capshaw singing, anything goes all the way to when they're on that raft, mm-hmm. that's, you know, slowly, uh, you know, uh, uh, slowing down only to be 
surrounded mm. by, you know, people that they, they don't know yet. Yeah. Um, that whole thing is the intro and it has the absolute great cliffhanger out of the frying pan into the fire vibe. So it's like, for me, it's like, it's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also specifically love club Obi-Wan. Um, it is the aesthetic. I, I love, uh, Tin Pan Alley era music. Mm-hmm. Um, I love bond. I love Casablanca and it's got all those vibes, uh, going on in there. Um, but it's also like, uh, the darkness doesn't just come once you get into uh, cultists removing hearts. Mm-hmm. Like this, this gets real dark, real qu- quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the lazy Susan thing is, is uh, so great. And, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, the tagline for this movie should have been, if adventure could have a name, it must be lazy Susan. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's all uh, really well done, but there, there's the moments I wrote down are, are the ones that are like, damn, mm-hmm. Uh, Indy doesn't just punch someone he gets poisoned and then is like all right well I'm going to escalate mm-hmm. by throwing a shish kebab into a person's heart <laughs> it's fl- a flaming stick of meat goes straight into his hub yeah it's like mm-hmm. it, that's the part of the film that I don't get I don't have any caveat any asterisks it is darker I get the PG-13 I get why parents had a hard time with it but that's the film mm-hmm. anything goes that's where the hero is at. That's the kind of pulpy adventure we're dealing with. <laughs> Flaming meat to the chest. Uh, it's so true. No, yeah, and him, him immediately. I love him pulling uh, Willie in. Uh, you know, a knife to the rib there. Like it's it's it plays for comedy. Play, but it's it's kind of what you're saying too. It's it's because uh, I just kept thinking like, but I had put this note down and and one of my things I question. It's like he he's not as. Uh, He's not a, a, as professorial as in this one as the other ones, even yeah. though he mentions the line we'll mention again. But um, I was watching this whole sequence uh, last night going, this ain't a teacher. <laughs> like, this is empty doing something else. And it's uh, it's fun to watch. I like, I have headcanon that he went through absolute hell mm-hmm. to get Nurhachi's remains. Yeah. And this, you know, that's that's sometimes the thing with the with the Bond or the Indiana Jones ones. It's the end of another adventure you didn't see. Mm-hmm. And I almost just like feel that energy oh, where he's yeah. just like, I just got cleaned up. I just got patched up. I'm on painkillers, but I put on the nice suit to make the exchange and get my GD reward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I run into this. Uh, that that just to me is his vibe of like, I'm getting what's mine. Um, mm-hmm. Also in this sequence, um, it, it's just it's it's so inventive and and well done the the uh that contrast between sophistication and brutality where eventually the violence erupts and everyone's screaming and uh indy's trying to get the antidote she's trying to get the diamond mm. the ice mixing with the diamonds it's uh, it's phenomenal mm-hmm. I, I just i just think it's it's it is up there with one of the greatest uh action scenes in the indiana jones canon for me well i love what you said in, in all on all the movies have that. Um, I, I actually really love Crystal Skulls uh, opening. I, I love them all. They don't miss none of them miss for me. This one might in the end of the day be the favorite because of what you just said. It definitely feels like the third act of, of a movie we didn't see. It, it, it you know, and not that we'll, we ever will. And I don't want to know. But yeah, that's 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 the joy of this scene too. Uh, uh, it, it, you know, an audience. There's an audience in this theater, and we just walked into a into in, in, into it waiting for our movie to start. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
And and uh, one other moment in here that I wrote down, I don't know that I'm saying it's my favorite. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to say it's my favorite. I just think it's notable because it, again, goes to the tone of the film. The shtick of, whoops, I punched someone I didn't mean to is old hat. <laughs> Full on the hero in the first few minutes of the film just absolutely hammering a cigarette girl. Like, maybe it's a statement on tobacco. I don't think so. Uh, but, right? I'm so glad you put that down because... I've known that again. I've known this. I didn't watch this last night and go, wow, I've never seen it. There wasn't one moment. I just, I just have processed it differently over the years. I, I was, I really, I don't want to say enjoyed that. It seems weird to say that, but it was, it was a fun moment. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, if, if the idea is he's James Bond, but he really bleeds, he's really not perfect. He often fails. He doesn't, he, he's cool as hell. But then when you actually look at his track record, he, his success record is low. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's taking that to the next level of like, he thinks, you know, uh, he thinks death is right behind him and he turns around and punches an entirely innocent person. Uh, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, love everything about it. You're right. We could go on about Club Obi-Wan, and I, I do love that it is Club Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Nothing even remotely subtle about it. Uh, but moving on from that, what are fr- some of your other favorite all right, We got to go to the inflatable raft and, and uh, nice. all that stuff. We got to go there because here's the thing. I like it. I've always liked it. It was crazy as a kid. It's it, the, 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 You see, again, I say you see, the, you see the, the, the body dummies, not even the stunt doubles, that you can see how they put it together, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the, blue, the blue green screen isn't as good. Oh, got it, got it, got it. I, I do like the sequence. I think it's a, it's a signature indie sequence. Over the years, I have, and if you heard me on podcasts and I've mentioned here, I, I've, I've developed a little bit of a, of a resentment towards this scene simply because we were 15, 12 years ago now, wherever it was, when we were all told Crystal Skull was horrible from front to front to, to, to end there. And how dare they do that nuclear fridge scene? Like, I'm not, it does not need to be your favorite sequence. I just remember the time going, but you're going to tell me this thing works for you? Mm-hmm. The fridge seems more realistic than this. Everything about it. <laughs> like, if you ever, you know, have you tried to just get in a river in a raft? Like, it, it, it doesn't work. Uh, and, and this thing survives the fall. It floats. It goes down a waterfall, and they all and like come on. And but that's the point. That's part of it. it it's it's. I'm not coming to to Indy for. Uh, I'm coming to Indy for some history, but I'm not coming to it like a documentary. And so I do like mm-hmm. the scene, but I I, I um, I've got much like Indy. I've got to let it go. Got to let that resentment go, um, and, and just enjoy it for what it is. It's it's just uh, wacky. It's wacky, fantastic adventure. Yeah, I know. I so agree. And, and I understand that people have different um, reactions to action movies, even heightened ones like Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and James Bond, where they want one foot in reality. And if it's too over the top, it, it takes them out. I'm just not like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, as long as the emotions are real, then I don't care if the action is. Um, I don't care if, you know, a, a plane actually couldn't, you know, Golden Isle. I love the opening stunt, a dive off a. A motorcycle mm-hmm. and, and catch a plane in midair. I love it. Um, I get that you probably can't do that in real life. <laughs> what you also can't do in real life is be punched in the face, you know, <laughs> more than three times without massive damage. Sometimes just once. Yeah. You yeah. know, we accept so much exaggeration in our in our fiction. And something that kind of lays its its cards on the table and says that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't bother me. Uh, because the emotions are real and the emotion of it is 
I just finished whatever, uh, whatever I did to get those remains. I got nothing for it. <laughs> then I went through that in Club Obi-Wan. I survived. I can take a nap. No, now I'm diving out yeah. of a plane with a kid in a, in a lounge singer. <laughs> yeah. And getting out of the plane isn't even safe. Now I'm speeding down a cliff. Now I'm going over a waterfall. And it's it's the emotion of it. It's the it's the Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. This ain't my day. You know, mm-hmm. uh, everything's going wrong. That's the fun of it. Yeah. And, and when we get to Christmas goal, there'll be much more to say on it. And and uh, I'll save some of it from there. But but that was the first time I really started to have an issue with film punditry before it even really was fully formed to what it is now, what it became. Uh, where just like I, you just not. I don't think you're playing fair. Again, you don't have to like the fridge gag, but you're acting like ain't nothing been done like that before in indie, and that's where I took mm-hmm. took a lot of resentment uh, forward. Which again shouldn't, but anyways, I love the sequence, um, uh, and it's a wonderful ending to Club Obi Wan. It really is part of the same sequence to me. Yeah, and we will talk about Kingdom of Christmas Skull more, but I'm going to give some thought before we get there. Of like, I wonder if some of that is, you know, our generation in particular grew up. Uh, we didn't grow up with constant warnings and scary films about don't jump out of a plane on a raft. Yeah. <laughs> but we were endlessly educated about nuclear war is probably going to happen, and there's nothing you can do about it. Get ready to see your neighborhood turn to dust. Anyway, yeah. like. <laughs> It's a big part, I think, of the psyche of our generation. I really agree with it as someone who had to get under those tables in a in a training session in school too. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was. So, so it was like we might all be wiped off. So you know what? Go enjoy Temple of Doom. Ah, oh, the raft is fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so moving on from there for me, um, I, I do. I, you know, the part of the film I often forget about is the transition from the palace down into. Uh, the cult mm. uh, layer, the temple, and that we get to have a stop in a very, you know, the spike room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just forgot how great the uh, the spikes on the hat shot is mm-hmm. getting so oh, close. Yeah, it goes that, on his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people talk about about you know Spielbergian, and I think I've just I've just you know I just grew up with Spielberg. He was just a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw some of his later films. I, I didn't make a point of seeing them all the time, mm-hmm. but I saw Fableman, and it just blew me away and it's made me much more interested in kind of going back and, and looking at Spielberg's history and evolution. And uh, to me, that's a, a lot of the power of his filmmaking is finding those details that make it visceral mm-hmm. and make it feel real. And the spikes pressing down on that iconic hat is just such a great beat to make it feel yeah. different uh, than any other spikes on a ceiling scene you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this is a great sequence too. And and that, I'm glad you mentioned that shot. I, I had the same reaction last night, but the whole sequence, and this is a great Willie Scott sequence. And watching this, I remember last year watching this with, with, with Grace. Uh, she's uh, not a fan of spiders and bugs, we'll say. Uh, she calls them boogles. Uh, and and, and it's a very <laughs> challenging scene for her, but that added to it. I, I'm not sure I could put my hand in there with great ease, you know, but... Uh, no. You're on the other side, Joseph. I tried to save you, but it wouldn't be a got it if for me. That's not where I'm at. So I, I love what's going on there with with Willie. It's it's the the, the bugs are just <laughs> beautiful and horrendous at the same time. But this sequence, the, the den of spikes here, it's so classic indie that even I think, hear me out, even more than Raiders um, and Last Crusade, that's got the imagery, the whip and the hat and all that stuff that carries on. But this sequence is what 
theme parks are built on. The, I think this is very much about mm-hmm. the, the more the vibe of the uh, Disney ride, uh, video mm-hmm. game, everything. Mm-hmm. When you think of Indy, I think this is one of the things that, whether you realize it or not, comes to mind first. No, I really, really agree, and and I like that Indy has the knowledge to solve the puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I've, I've been in one of these before. I know how they work. Uh, uh, <laughs> so right. it's yeah. it's the relationship uh, that is uh, getting him mm-hmm. to struggle to get out. And yeah, on the documentary that's on the Blu-ray, I have um, Spielberg talks about this. Is that's his his favorite scene, and the, that it was an uh, a decision during filming to do the. It, and it gets reactivated that mm-hmm. so that's not in the script that that was he he thought put it over the top and he loved doing the hat shot and thought this was uh the most his favorite sequence from the hey, that's a that's a great note uh, it's been a while since i watched that doc that's a great note uh, i love that love that vibe yeah so uh other moments for you uh there was uh jumping ahead a bit uh to there's a when short round kind of escapes uh himself right he he, he cuts uh, cuts mm-hmm. the chains and I thought it was a great sequence. Uh, Short Round is such a well-loved character we've seen in the last year or so with, with Kei Kwan, what everyone just felt about him. And he's just been this uh, feel-good story for the galaxy right now. Um, but that, that all comes from this, the energy this, of this of this kid, uh, you know, keeping up with Indy and, and rescuing himself and, and, and some comedy's taken from it. But I love it. And, and it's, it's, it's the pilot for the Short Round show that people want. You know, uh, I, I count me in. I'll sign that petition. Yeah. yeah. So I just love that little moment here. Short round escapes. Yeah, no, I, I re- that was one of those moments that really made me feel like, OK, this is yeah, it's the plot mechanics of, you know, we we got to get him out there to to help save Indy. Uh, but it really is him, you know, being what we're told he is, mm-hmm. is uh, you know, an orphan that's been on his own since four being. Mm-hmm resourceful as hell but uh, it's a it's a real i don't know i'm making this up as i go i'm just like i don't know i'm not gonna accept this yeah. like it is indie it's the same mood as indie going after the the caravan to get the arc back yeah, yeah. like i got i got no plan but i but this is unacceptable yeah you know yeah is there a truck what truck attitude is there like chain mm-hmm. bleep this chain and the you know the scampering up is oh, it's great yeah. love that love it yeah um i think the the whole sequence where um, India has been freed of the uh, the mind control, mm-hmm. and they, Indy and Short Round and Willie are all kind of working together to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Spielberg says a lot of that was also some of it was storyboarded, but a lot of it he it, this it was this was a portion of the shoot where uh, Harrison Ford had injured his back and was away for surgery and that a ton of this the 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 fight with the uh the big bruiser mm-hmm. um was shot with a double and uh, a, a sense of invention and fun mm-hmm. uh from from spielberg um but i i it, as dark as it is and as hard as it is to, to watch you know kids wail on each mm-hmm. other and in uh uh zalem singh you know having having blood trail from his mouth that's <laughs> that's dark that that's hard i get it I, I do like the sort of, I like the mirroring. Mm-hmm. I like the indies in the position of just like, I'm just being pummeled again. And it's short round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, ah, I see what the actual problem is. I'll go address it. I really love that angle on that fight. And there's so much to the fight. It's it's part part of the, how can we make Pat Roach die in horrible ways? Uh, <laughs> Which I will say, we, yeah. Uh, so Pat Roach, uh, rest in peace. Uh, it's such an indie tradition. 
uh, the German mechanic and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, he is in brown face in this. And I think that's one of the things that you look at and go, yeah. Oh, well, you know, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I want to throw that out there, but it, I, I love everything about that. There's some comedy in that fight, that fight too. Oh yeah. And the, and the Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think, um, I asterisks a plenty, a good asterisk on Pat Roach, um, the voodoo thing, which is so the algorithms on Facebook and Instagram have my number. They know that I like toys and they know that I like star Wars and Indiana Jones. And so like almost every time I, I go on Facebook right now, I get an ad for the Disney stores selling the indie doll with needle. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, it's not just like, hey, it's a fun replica for $25. It's like $130. Like, here's your high end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. So I was a little, a little affected by that. But I do like, and I understand that there may be some criticisms and some, some mm-hmm. tropiness of, of the voodoo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but is an action scene. I, I do like Indy, like, ah, I'm, this is already a hard enough fight. And I, every time I get a leg up, I get that horrible pain in the back. And knowing that Harrison Ford had to shoot those close-ups after returning from back surgery. <laughs> yeah. Those times of like, you know, the behind the scenes makes it even better. It, yeah, no, I agree with that. And he had, they had put a, flown in a hospital bed for him to lay down between sets or shots on set. Like that's craziness. That's craziness. But yeah. Love that. And, and shout yeah. out to, I think it was Vic Armstrong doing most of his stunts again. So, that. Mm-hmm. yeah. And in that sequence too, last thing for me in that, that chunk, there's that one great shot and they showed in the behind the scenes of, uh, of uh, short round training for it, where he just gets to do a couple of great actual kicks mm-hmm. and the, the step up the chest and kick. Uh, so great. Yeah. No, you short round, you know, we all maybe wanted to be indie, but we we could see ourselves in short round during this era, right? That's part of the appeal, I think, mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, going on from there, any other uh, action moments you want to celebrate? You might have to help me. I, I just wrote, to, I forgot to, it, it might be during the sequence here. I think so. I can't, but there, at one point, indie uh, kind of pole vaults a, a, a thuggy a cultist out of the, into the fire. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, many like literally just pole vaults, and it's uh, and it uh, I both love it and was laughing at it at the same time. I think it's in that when he's when he's uh, breaking the spell fight, but I didn't write it. I think it's right after he, yeah, I'm okay, kid, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm okay, kid. And it's just, it's such a it's it's uh, at all, it's an old stunt style, you know, it's it's definitely a, a hearkening to a different era. I love that, yeah. Like a John Ford. Yeah. And people talk about that hug and that hug is, you know, in, you know, comparison shots of, of, uh, Harrison, mm-hmm. Harrison and, and Kiwi Kwan, uh, meeting again. So, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, but it is really funny that heartwarming moment and like, you know what? We're together again. We're, we're family. We love one another. Let's throw some guys into lava. <laughs> yep. Uh, going forward from there, I mean, the, the, the mine cart chase, you know, famously originally conceived for Raiders moved here. Uh, the literalness of it's, it's a theme park ride. Mm-hmm. I love the literalness of it's a movie that are described as a roller coaster where here is an actual kind of mm-hmm. roller coaster and so many just great beats in it. The, the cart up on two wheels. Mm-hmm. That's the movie to me. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe like we were talking about. I love that that Willie does get a just solid punch in mm-hmm. <laughs> on a on a baddie, uh, just endless endless beats in it, and in the shoe breaks. That's that's again that's it. Okay, it's not 
is probably not realistic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's visceral. The 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 smoke mm-hmm. in the it, yeah mm-hmm. is in in Indy's emotions and reaction to yeah. it, and, and and the sort of thematic of like gotta save the family unit. Yeah. No. No. It's it's all of it. it look, the the, the money card chase is legendary again probably you know one of three or four legendary sequences in a movie that even i haven't spent as much time with so there, there there's a legacy here uh i i that stopping the cart moment for me into one of the funny comedy beats i'm sure you and i were to discuss but water 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 and, and the floods coming to me like if i was to be like all right here's what you need to do when you're writing indie not that no one's going to give me the chance to do it but if i was sitting down and teaching a course i'd start with this scene I start with the sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plan didn't work. He didn't go. Uh, they were supposed to go left. He didn't know. They go straight. Uh, so they're in more in trouble. They get through it. They're on the two wheels, like you said. And he has to do what he has to do to stop it. Saves the day, but he's he's on fire. And he what he needs to save him <laughs> might also destroy him. And there's great comedy, uh, comedy character, comedy situation. It's perfect, Indy. Yeah, I always forget about that great beat of you know that exchange between short round in the, uh, in Salem mm-hmm. of very confidently and kindly giving him, this is what you need to escape. Yeah. <laughs> and Indy just not, not here. No left, left clunk too late, too late, too late. Yeah. 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 Uh, moving on toward the actual climax, climax. What do you like uh, uh, once they, once they get out onto uh, the, the cliffs? Uh, I, uh, the, the bridge sequence is, uh, is, Again, iconic can be thrown around too easily these days, but it is it is what it is. I had this on a lunchbox. This was, I think, the co- the front of my lunchbox. I remember mm. for a while, um, and so it stands out. I mean, let's we got to say say the truth of the scene. You got buff Indy like he ain't never been buff before, right? Harrison cut for this film. Mm-hmm. He's there. I love the tension. It's terrifying. We had in my uh, hometown and in, in, in the village of Rio Grande, there is a swimming swinging bridge. It's much more stable than this one. But anytime I would be on it as a kid, that's all I would think about was that sequence. Yeah. So this thing scared me almost as much as Mullerum's heart trick. Like this was like too real, too real. Um, because it would shake if you're one of those jerk kids that jumped on it. Hey, short round, calm down. Look what almost happened to you. Uh so I, I love everything about this sequence. Um, it's amazing to me how fast they get to it though. The movie, and this is two hours in, right? But but like mm-hmm. this this movie moves so fast that it's like, oh, we're already here, we're already at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does move fast, but I also sometimes forget. Like they get down to the the temple, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's just you're just you're in it, it. Yeah. you know. It 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 that there's not really like there's not cutting away to a slower B story. Yeah, which is why it works. That you know, the, you're in the British captain and Chatterlow. They could have done more. Yeah, you absolutely could have done more, but it, it it you didn't need it. You didn't need it. This was a straight line. Yeah. It is the bridge scene in in look is iconic. That's one of the most famous shots of Indiana mm-hmm. Jones. Uh, shirtless, sweaty, mm-hmm. <laughs> with a sword running at you on a rope bridge. Yeah. Right, that's uh, an iconic image. In the bridge chop is so great. That is classic mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. Of it's there's kind of like this. There's always an option, mm-hmm. and sometimes the option is to do the mm, over-the-top thing that other the other person wouldn't consider doing. Right. And I think that's one of the things that elevates the action. It isn't just he punches and shoots better. It's he does bonkers things like the bridge chop. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And my final over-the-top beat, I mean, I, I do love the actual solution of him. 
saying you betrayed Shiva and, and setting off the righteous mm. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, power of the stones. That, that's great. But I also like that before that, uh, Molaram uh, it tries to, you know, do the hard thing to Indy and Indy uh, punches Molaram with Molaram's fist. It's pretty great, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, look, man, of all the things that are unrealistic, Indy, that might be the most of getting that much power and that close <laughs> with someone, someone's fist. But yeah, love it. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. We spent a chunk of time on action. I, I wrote down a lot for comedy, but I'm sure we will uh, have some overlap. So what what are your favorite comedy? Movies? Uh, you mean, going back to Club Obi-Wan, so we don't need to spend too much time of it, but just, just a straight up slapstick pursuit of the diamond and the antidote coming out of this Busby Berkeley, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, moment for Lucas Spielberg to have the dreams uh, making that and a Bond film at the same time. Like, um, like I said, uh, over time, it's been seen. It, it had already been seen in film and everything, but it, and it's been seen maybe more, uh, you know, and it just becomes part of our pop culture fabric. But I, I watch it as it is and as it would have been received in 84. And I, I love it. It's some great comedy. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree. I think for me, my one of my favorite beats of comedy in the beginning is uh, when Willie Scott is at first like ooh wow okay glamorous uh uh song mm-hmm. singer and that that little stumble in the dance is such a great <laughs> moment that lets you know what you're in for mm-hmm. of like oh oh this is not going to be all uh, sophistication and perfection <laughs> love that yeah one of the moments there's uh, another moment i love with her when when the when the diamond comes out and and it's uh, turned on uh, on the table to to indy and she looks at it and she goes, oh, wow. Like as if she was getting at or just, oh, you had this beauty. <laughs> I just, I love that. Yeah, uh, really great. Um, I know it's an, uh, a famous line, an infamous line. I don't know if people quote it because they love it or uh, quote it to make fun of it. But I actually do like No Time for Love. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, come on. His lines are classic. And, you know, I guess you, the playgrounds of America in 84 uh and 85 might have been slightly problematic if we were all quoting uh short round as as he sounded you know <laughs> mm-hmm. be carefully but you know that line okie dokie mr jones hold on to your potatoes is i mean yes come on love that stuff there yeah yeah uh mm. yeah i mean i think we have expressed it but just to be clear like the short round is a huge part of this mm-hmm. f- film that his absolute charm uh and and just amazing acting chops is a huge part of what's successful about this film and yeah his introduction is so great of like now there's a child he's got the uh you know blocks on his feet to drive and and, yeah and again it's one of those like yeah this is uh this is we're throwing elbows here Mm -hmm. this is indy's escape Mm -hmm. a child yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's perhaps that's his getaway driver as a child. Yeah, it's yeah. it's my uh, especially with what you're again you're coming out of and yes, this yes prequel prequel I get it but you're coming out of Temple of, uh, excuse me out of Raiders into this and and every choice was was different was truly different uh, and I'm even celebrating that more now than I ever have I love that that and like Kieran Culkin in Father of the Bride the Steve Martin uh, Kimberly Williams uh, Diane Keaton version where. Kieran Culkin has a moment where he's valeting cars and there's just pure joy on this eight year old driving a car. It was that and this short round moment that for me were some of my favorite kids stuck in cars driving moments on film. <laughs> uh, that, that'd be a fun movie night. Yeah. Um, one of my very favorite beats in this entire film is the nice try, try Laoshe and then closing the door and seeing <laughs> Laoshe's name on the plane. So it's, it's one of the greatest, you know, Indiana Jones seems so cool, but he's just flubbing his dub. Yeah, there's, that's, uh, 
I love that. I love that you said that. You know, you got Aykroyd as as uh, Weber uh, doing this over the top British accent. I love that cameo. And then uh, as a kid, I tell you what, I it might have been in high school when I first picked that up because again, I did not watch this film as much. Um, mm-hmm. I probably just didn't want to put it on and have my mom be like, "I told you never to watch that again." That might have been part of the problem in the late eighties, uh, to be honest. But I, I, I wasn't until I got. I did not as as a kid in the theater pick that up, and I don't know if you know meant to but uh i i think it's quintessential indie yeah no and and you know i think that's another beat where i feel like there is this uh very uh purpose driven contrast between the sophistication and the reality mm-hmm. that 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 uh it the the joke there the dan Aykroyd's character is playing like a a, a fine travel agent a concierge mm-hmm. who is you know, trying to book you on the the best available flight. And like, come on, you mean throwing the back of a <laughs> deadly cargo plane? That's, that's absolutely right. You, you're right. His actual words are right. Like, ah, this is all I can find. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but trying to play it up like, is, 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 there are some problems with the accommodations, but yeah, <laughs> great stuff. Uh, what are some other moments? For you? Uh, well, so so the, all this, you know, once we get into the, the the plane, but there's some great moments with Willie going back to Club Open One for a second where. She she's like that's not a waiter and who are you? she's got these a lot of like it, it's painted as uh, maybe she's a little clueless or naive naive to what's going on so there's a little bit of that but then she comes back with once they're on the plane he comes out in his indie outfit and she goes what are you supposed to be a lion tamer and, and then that's play play that against Last Crusade and and, and the uh, the opening there of course but I I just think it's a great line and it really sets up their relationship she she's not to be necessarily pushed over. Uh, it's, it's, it, and I, you know, and it's a shot, it's an insult at Indy and I just, I just love the vibe there. Yeah. I, I, I like the, the, the joke of he hands her a hot gun mm-hmm. and she drops it because it's, and there's the nail line that I know not everybody likes, but it's like, yeah, th- that, that to me is the comedy of her. It's like, she didn't sign up to be mm-hmm. in an action adventure movie. She's not short round. Yeah. She's like, what? You're handing me a gun. I didn't know they were hot. Yeah. Of course yeah. I throw it out the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's great mm-hmm. uh on the other side of that uh i do really like uh indiana jones's uh line to her in the village uh where he says uh you know very quietly but with that harrison ford intensity of you're offending them and you're embarrassing me <laughs> absolutely love that yeah mm-hmm. plays up all the comedy but it is also one of those ones of like yeah alone indiana jones is is having you know cultural respect which is is nice to see in a film that has some mm-hmm. Some problematic mm-hmm, points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, what else? Uh, you got? A couple beats come to mind there. Uh, I did the show around has that line when they're playing cards. I'm very little. You cheat very big. I, there's a <laughs> philosophy there that we need to dig into more. Uh, so I love that. Uh, on the plane, going back to the plane, I think it's a, a great beat of you know how to fly in indie thinks harrison thinks for a second and then goes no do you <laughs> like it's, it's that beat that is the comedy and i love that moment yeah i mean he knows so much mm-hmm. uh, just if you watch some of the indiana jones uh tv show adventures mm-hmm. like uh, and he doesn't know that um i think it is probably one of the sequences that that people don't like and has uh, too much screaming but i i actually really do like the camping scene where mm-hmm. indian short rounder you know they're they're having fun playing cards they understand this world this environment and she doesn't um the vampire bat towel bit is funny Mm -hmm. um and and you know uh, like like they say in the behind the scenes like those are fruit bats (laughs) um 
the, the vampire bats are teeny tiny. Even that is heightened and pulpy. Those giant things, vampire bats. Yeah. Uh, I like the towel beat, and I like um, is somebody who uh, would probably be more Willie Scott camping than mm-hmm. into your short round. I like yeah. it. No, uh, I'm with you on that there too. I uh, love that there. Uh, I love going. Can, if I can jump to the Pat Roach fight again. It's gruesome, yeah. much like the the Raiders fight. Um, but then there's a, he throws the sledgehammer and it just hits someone with a comedic pop, like like what? <laughs> Again, a reminder of what we're watching. Uh, there's a very funny cut to that in that uh, behind the scenes where they're talking about like we knew we wanted it to be a, a balance of dark and comedy, but we we just didn't see uh, as we were working on it that the the dark didn't have enough comedy to balance it. <laughs> they show that uh, shot. That's hilarious. <laughs> And it's it's got this funny like we got that one bit where the guy gets bonked on the head that will balance out the uh, the heart removal from the body right those are equal right point I'm shaking in my seat as a seven year old eight year old (laughs) yeah Uh, I like uh, uh, Chatter Law's line to the three of them when they show up it's one of the more understated moments of comedy. Oh, and he says, uh, I should say you look rather lost. But then again, I cannot imagine where in the world the three of you would look at home. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. That is very funny. That's a good one. Um, maybe one of my favorites, uh, the the we are going to die. Uh, just great. It, you know, it's easy to just accept on surface value, but an inventive shot to just show it from the outside yeah. <laughs> in these miserable uh, face. And I'm a sucker for comedy where you can su- successfully have a character just reiterate exactly what is going on. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that is kind of a, a, a bit of comedy that I think uh, younger generations are pushing back on because it's been overdone. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a hullabaloo about the second Shazam movie where he, I think he punches a dragon. And then at the end of the trailer, he says, do you guys see that? I punched a dragon. And there was uproar. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I believe Zachary Levi took to Twitter to say, don't worry, that film is, that line is cut from the film. Look at that. (laughs) So I think there's a real awareness of that joke has been overdone. Uh, But this is such a classic uh, version of stripping everything away to what are the stakes? Yeah. We are going to die. <laughs> uh, well said. Well, well, good breakdown on that. Then. Yeah. A um, couple beats I have left there. Did you notice, uh, I, you know, one of the things I maybe really um, had forgotten, but you got Han, excuse me, Indiana Jones saying, we've got company. So similar to his classic line of New Hope. I, I love that little beat. We have, the, I think Short Round says it too. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, and it's, you know, and, uh, it's, it's in, just a lot, but I, I love that connection there. And then, uh, is great. yeah, my final one is on the bridge. I, you know, you forget a little swear word, a swear word uh, from India. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that might have been why, even why I was more in trouble for seeing the movie. But. <laughs> uh, did you hear a naughty swear word? I never heard that anywhere mm-hmm. else. Just in Temple of Doom. Yeah. No, that is great. It's very honest. Um, there are two last ones for me. Um, I can't remember it exactly what place uh, Willie says it, but it's one of the Willie lines that I think is legitimately funny and, and well delivered of. I'm not going to have nice things to say about this place when I get back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's still like she's going to look it up on TripAdvisor and be like, oh, cultist temple. 
one star. Is is that the first recorded Karen joke in history? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. And my last one is also a, a Willie Scott. Uh, I know for a lot of people, they're they're probably not on board. But when she processes what Indy's going to do with the bridge in that first, oh my god, I love that moment. <laughs> No, I'm glad you said that. I, I, because it's part of the tension of the scene, him, him letting short round know, and they're wrapping. And by the way, I don't even know if they, I don't know how realistic Indy's wrapping his leg around at once vibe is. I don't know, but like that, that, that makes the moment for me when she, she's uh, again. This is someone who in the beginning is a, maybe seems a little bit behind, right? A little bit of like, who are you? That vibe, the diamonds, beautiful. And now here's she's, she's in it. She gets it. She understands this man, unfortunately. Yep. Now she can uh, get, pick up on the context mm-hmm. clues of like, okay, all right, oh I see. God. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, all right, a lot of great comedy. Uh, I think we, we've talked about some things we struggle with, but is there anything else that you struggle with or question in this film that you would like to check? You, you know, in, in the end, there's some stuff there that at the end of the day, just it, it comes off as is maybe too dark, and, and that's not why I plug in all the times for it. I, 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 but I really respect what they were trying to do, and you have to, you know, these are two storytellers and filmmakers that have long careers and like any, like a band or a musician or something or an artist, you know, Oh, that, that was their, this period. And this, this is, it is their period for a little darkness. And so I think I, I think I, over the years, um, I've overlooked that a little bit more, but on a Saturday afternoon, if I'm feeling Indiana Jones, I, I go for a little bit more of the bright, sunny, uh, last crusade Raiders vibe. And that's just me at the end of the day. But so that was part of it there, but I, I respect that they, they made a choice. Um, so I like that. And then I, I said, so I had this note and I wrote it down before while I was watching the movie. I said, yeah, I don't know. Part of the reason too might be Indy isn't a professor first in this one. And we know that's the case. And then he literally has a line. I just want to go back to get to Delhi to go back to my university. So I was like, all right, I'm yep. technically wrong. It's just the vibe is not as, um, as much there. I, I, maybe at the end of the day, I just missed Marcus Brody. I, I think that is entirely possible. Marcus Brody does bring a great, a great energy, mm-hmm. um, which is why he comes back. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. I I do think um, that it is it is dark, and maybe this is my the horror fan part of me. The mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I I think I'm like sixty three percent a goth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, I I like gothic horror, spooky. I do think it's upsetting that 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 children are at stake, but I think. I'm okay with that because the film is about that. It is awful, mm-hmm. awful and hard to watch when Indy hits short round, but it isn't this unconsidered thing. The film is about family. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a, it's a violation of what Indy means to short round and what short round means to Indy. So it, it, okay. it feels like a choice in a, a heavy choice in a dark choice. Um, but it, uh, but a, a solid choice, not just that we weren't really thinking and we did this. Um, so I think I really love the darkness of it, the gothicness of it. Yeah, and again, you're right. I, I don't spend a lot of time watching horror films and everything. Again, I was a very scared child. But I love what you're saying about that, too. And this is, again, to be clear, very clear, not washing away any of the very valid criticisms mm-hmm. or questions about this movie and some of the things and, and movies during this time. I want to make clear again. But what you're talking about, too, if just sometimes, especially when Ken gets a little grumpy at the punditry world, where someone goes, <laughs> This is in the movie, and and the answer is yes, intentionally. That's part of the point. Engage with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, do you need? Would you would you have him hit 
short rounds in, in a film made today? Probably not. Uh, again, of its time. But that, it's Luke Skywalker thing. Well, well you know, The Last Jedi does this. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point. Engage with that. And I, I think there's a lot in this film that I, I think is the point and maybe doesn't get engaged with and hasn't been engaged with over the years. Yeah. And I really agree with you. I really agree with you. Um, and, and, and I understand anybody who says, eh, it's not my favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Spielberg. Not, not my favorite. Yeah. Not, not, not still not my favorite, but that, that yeah. Doesn't mean yeah. that's, doesn't mean that stuff's not there. Yeah. The, I think the documentary that I keep mentioning ends on Harrison Ford saying, I thought it was very successful because I wanted to do something different and it is very different. I, totally um, and and I, I think I, I side with all Harrison Ford. I totally tracks for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, we, we've talked a lot about all sorts of uh, different perspectives uh, uh, about the problematic elements of the film. Uh, one bit of lore that I'd never encountered in, in, until I came across uh, it on uh, Wikipedia this morning. It said uh, Lucas wrote a film treatment that included a haunted castle in Scotland, yeah. but Spielberg felt it was too similar to Poltergeist. So the setting transformed into a demonic temple mm-hmm. in India. And, you know, I really try to engage with the story that's presented to us. And I think we have engaged for mm-hmm. a very long time with Temple of Doom, uh, the good, the bad, uh, the problematic. But there uh, honestly is a part of me that's just like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I would have. There's a part of me that was like, I, I wish I could see that film uh, mm-hmm. because it would have been nice to see all of the parts of Temple of Doom that I love the. Uh, you know, the weirdness, the pulpiness, the darkness freed from some of the potentially problematic stuff mm-hmm. uh, around Indian culture. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Well said indeed there. And as far yeah. as the, um, yeah, I lo- I, there's so many could have been, should have been, they thought they were going to try this in Indiana Jones. It's fantastic. I, I go and jump into the crystal skull, the, 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 the crystal skull, the aliens, it, it, it's based on something a little bit real. And, and, and George wanted that in like stuff prior to this. I love tracking. And then the, the haunted castle kind of could have been less crusade kind of shows up for a second in less crusade in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love all that stuff. That, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, it's uh, fascinating to imagine uh, how they would have uh, depicted Scotland. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so I do want to be sure that we talk about one of the major uh, uh, fan concerns with Temple of Doom. It is a prequel. Uh, how do you reconcile the supernatural elements of this film with Indy's line in in Raiders? I don't believe in magic. A lot of superstitious hocus pocus. Um, how do you how do you reconcile those two things? Look, we all have those people that seem to learn some lessons, but they easily slip back into their own selves. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, no. There's something uh, you, you, like I talk about things I didn't realize as a kid. I didn't know this was a prequel. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't pay attention to the date on the bottom of the screen. I think I was surprised to learn Indy wasn't modern times in in eighty um, as a kid. It was, yeah. you know, it was a little thing there uh, I overlooked sometimes in my viewings back then. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it, but all it, it's, 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 lot of, it's Spielberg, but it, 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 it tracks for George. It tracks for George. We're just like, no, this is what we say, what we do. And, but anyways, yeah. How do I reconcile it? I, I try. And that's where I land. Yeah. No, I mean, I think a lot of us in the Star Wars community at this point, like the reality that the remembrances that Leia has of her mother Padme in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. are 
glimpses through the force. I, I think uh, a, a lot of people, not everybody have embraced that, but for a long time, that was a, but, but she said, Leia says she dies when I was very young. Mm -hmm. Like technically that's true. <laughs> Just after you were born. Uh, and yeah, it, it does seem uh, like, like uh, Filoni said about the clone wars, mm -hmm. George likes prequels. Yeah. But for me, I go to a very similar place for you is you i feel like uh i can embrace it as uh indiana jones getting back from this adventure getting back to grounded reality he's wearing tweed and yeah, yeah. <laughs> teaching classes and and holding office hours and sitting in his in his uh in his office with a bottle going what all did i see mm -hmm. i thought i saw a heart from far away that could have been yeah. that could have been something and, and and i was drugged they poured something in my mouth i was drugged i was drugged. Yeah, that's, a, I was that's drugged. an excellent and, point that's an excellent point oh that's a good one that's a good one <laughs> yeah and like yeah there's a lot of things that you could be you could be drugged by who knows i mean i think the the biggest thing for me is him him knowingly having read the warning in the secret tunnel mm -hmm. about follow do not betray uh shiva mm -hmm. uh in, in saying you betrayed shiva uh, in in igniting the flames, that's the one where I think he's maybe like, maybe something. Nah, it, nah, I don't know. Like a professor, he he and uh, the professor uh, Roy uh, Hinckley, I believe, on Gilligan's Island uh, is his actual name. Um, they're the same. There's always an answer, and even when they get some proof that it's more than what they know, they're, they're always going to go back to what what they what they're taught and what they teach. He is shaking the bag, so it is possible. <laughs> that a, a substance that ignites uh, was being given friction yeah. and it ignited. Hey, yeah. You know, he's going to face us again with the Holy Grails, Crystal Skulls, and now a Nile of Destiny. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to head toward wrapping up a big epic discussion of Temple of Doom. Is there anything that we haven't uh, touched on that you want I to? I think we covered Temple of Doom. It was a lot of fun. I've been having that. I knew I was going to have fun. I knew I was going to have fun taking that Force Center kind of lens onto other things, but... So a series of films and a character that means so much to me. It's been uh, once again, a great thrill to uh, look at it again for the first time. So I hope you all enjoy that. Yeah, no, the same thing I, I had on this list. Uh, I want to make sure that we talked about the lazy Susan. You took <laughs> care of that. Um, I really would love an adult uh, short round Disney yeah. plus series. Uh, that, that would be phenomenal. Uh, that would, I would be thrilled uh, by that. Um, I think final thing for me, I know we've said it a couple of times, but just always want to be real respectful of uh, different perspectives, particularly of people who, who come from the cultures mm -hmm. that we're talking about. And though there's many things I deeply love about this film, I do want to be uh, respectful, understanding, and try to listen and understand even better about the problematic elements. So thank you everyone uh, for coming along on that ride for the fun and for the being aware of uh, all parts of the film. Going to end on a fun question, Ken. Uh, I didn't send you this uh, ahead of time, so it's a, a fun surprise. Would you rather bounce on a small wooden suspension bridge or drink a poison cocktail. If you had to choose one of those two things, which would you rather <laughs> I'm going, do? I think I'm going bridge every time. Are, are you suggesting I don't know if the antidote is there or can I, do I feel uh, I have a chance to get there. <laughs> if, if when you drank the poison cocktail, you knew that there was an antidote somewhere in the Okay, here, here's here's my answer. I'll say poison cocktail because thanks to Casino Royale, I think I have a fighting chance of knowing how to, Get it out of my system. <laughs> yeah, you just grab salt. some salt and <laughs> just 
I can do this all day, like Captain America. I can drink uh, a three poison cocktail okay. a night. No problem. There you go. Yeah. I'm team poison cocktail too. I'm not too terrified by heights. Mm-hmm. And I would actually like to walk in a suspension bridge, mm-hmm. but bouncing on one, it seems like tempting fit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. That is it. You want to take us home? Yeah. Ken? Thanks for listening. If you're here on Patreon, we appreciate this. Uh, I appreciate making this happen. Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast only exists because of your all support. But for those listening a little bit later on on the public editions of this, we are the Force Center Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod, Instagram, YouTube as well. And don't forget, you can also find us on Facebook at Force Center Podcast, merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Looking for the podcast? Just search, you'll find us. But we're on a lot of spots like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and more. Follow me at Cadnapsock or catnapsock.com. And occasionally on Instagram, you see me pose in my Indiana Jones hat that I finally got after all these years. Uh, So uh, that's me. But what about you, sir? You can find me on all the social media with the handle at Joseph Scrimshaw. Eh, Not all of it. I don't have a Blue Sky invite yet. But you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, TikTok, all sorts of places. Uh, Thank you to everyone uh, who has been sharing and supporting the short film uh, that I'm running a a Kickstarter for now. If you're listening on Patreon, that's called The Nightmare Adorable. It is findable on Kickstarter if you're interested. Yeah, and if you're listening a little bit later in the public, look for the film soon, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. That is it. We have dived deep into Temple of Doom, huh, Ken? We have indeed. So we'll see you next time here as we go on a last crusade on Indian Jones. See you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.